This is a HeadGum Podcast. Temp check. What kind of summer are we having this year? A family road trip summer? A beach bum summer? Or a wake-me-up-when-the-sun-sets summer? With Instacart, choose your own adventure and skip the shopping side quests. Where available, you can get ice cream delivered to your hotel, sunscreen to the pool, or cold brew to your bed. Well, door, in as fast as 30 minutes. Wherever you find yourself this summer, you can get the goods. Download Instacart for free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Excludes restaurants. Additional terms and fees apply. This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you if people send you the same generic conversation starters they message everyone else? Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. This is All Fantasy Everything, the podcast where we fantasy draft anything and everything from the world of pop culture. On today's episode, we are drafting the year in pop culture from 2023, an annual tradition like no other, with one of our favorite guests, TV critic at Variety, Allison Herman. I'm your host, Ian Carmel, and with me, as always, are my friends and comedians, Sean Jordan and David Borey. Let's get into it. Welcome to All Fantasy Everything, a podcast where we are looking back on the year in pop culture in 2023 and fantasy drafting it one by one, four people, five picks each, five rounds. You wouldn't think I'd be nervous about that, but I am. This is how many years have we done this in a row now? Did we start more than five? I think. When was the fucking eclipse? When was the eclipse? That's a real easy way to find out. I'm pretty sure that was the first time, right? I didn't remember it the year you picked it. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, I've never I'm believed kidding, in man. religion until I, that happened. I was like, man, it's big out there. I don't know. It's just, that was anyway. Yeah, that year. So 2018? I think it was 2016 because it was when I went to the headgum. Okay. Super producer Isaac Lee is telling us it is 2017. 2017. That makes sense. Big year. Wait, nope. He's correcting himself in real time. <laughs> this is exciting. Most podcasts would edit this kind of thing out. Allison was right. No. It Whoa. is 2016. As I often am, Allison was right. <laughs> so this is the seventh one? Damn. Yeah, that's right. This is the seventh annual pop culture fantasy draft. All of them with Allison Herman. Yeah, that's uh, rad. Yeah. <laughs> that rules, dude. Uh, Sean Jordan, in years past, you have taken uh, The Eclipse. Which is pop culture. It's our eighth. eighth. Oh, because we did. Right. All right, Isaac, chime in. Is The Eclipse pop culture? I don't think we've ever got your opinion on this. My, my opinion on? on whether the solar eclipse is popular culture? Was a pop that is the culture right moment. Tone. That is the was exact right Was a pop culture <laughs> moment. Um, I don't popular believe so. Popular in the culture. Yes. Was it popular pop to talk about in the, the eclipse? Culture. I think it, it was, was famous. more than science. Who, who did I pick? Uh, I forgot the dude's name, the dickhead politician. <laughs> I should I narrow know. it down a little more, huh? 
I can't keep up with all your terrible picks, man. That's not my job. You think I don't have enough on my plate? It's part of your Sean, job. You- <laughs> I'm also confused, man. I just picked some stuff that was big to me. A lot of personal stuff. No, no, no. Don't you remember that, that stuff that Roy, Roy, um, oh, he was. Yeah, that- he would like wrote, wrote a horse. Roy, uh. He was old Alabama senator or something. <laughs> so you've tried to take an eclipse and what was he a pedophile or something? What was it? There was something with whoa, him. Whoa, 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 whoa. All that. I don't know about all that. I can't. Allegedly. 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 Right. Yeah, That's who shot me. <laughs> I'm sticking up for him. Yeah. No, I, I can't. Remember. I just remember it didn't. It was a pol- it was a political pick. I picked Listen, the science pick and a political pick and a pop culture. It's draft. complicated. Well, Everybody's- and last year it was Elon taking over Twitter, which I defend. As a pop culture event. Well, of course, that's pop culture. I think culture. that's a good pick. Of course. It I is. don't think the eclipse is a good pick. And I will stand by that. You were clear Eight, about nine, that. Nine, ten years in a row. We covered that. <laughs> and it's been covered. David, you're getting a Red Bull. I like it. I might go get a Red Bull today. Yeah, I got up really early. Strap on the horns, man. It's the zone. We are recording <laughs> this on December 29th, just so everyone knows. In years past, we've done this earlier in December. And this year, I think we've, we've showed great restraint mm-hmm. and waited until. Pretty much the end of the year. If something comes out in the next two days, we're sorry. If if somebody surprise drops an album or, <laughs> or surprise drops a movie, does that ever happen? Somebody surprise do- drops a movie? That'd be that'd be a weird idea. I was gonna say this was such a crazy overstuffed year. I felt like Homer Simpson eating the donuts. Like I saw my yeah. last movie. I still have movies that I would like to see that came out this year, but I saw my last movie that I like seriously wanted to take under consideration like 36 hours ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Been down to the wire. I saw the last best movie I saw this year on the plane, like coming yeah. home yesterday. I am behind. I got, t- I got some TV tackled this year though, because it's easier the, the with the child thing. It's easier to like an episode of TV a night. So I did, I think I did well on the TV. So I'm there excited to talk about that. I don't feel like I did well on TV or I did. I feel like this was my least pop culture year or it was real niche. The stuff I was. There we go. That's fine. Don't take any of the big picks. (laughs) Leave all all the big ones for the dumb guy. (laughs) I'm sure we'll talk about some of the demarcations in the year later that happened in pop culture. But I do feel a very like when I was researching this, I was like, oh, my God, that was this year because things that happened before a certain event. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the industry, sure. we're like, we're out, feel like they were forever ago. Yeah, there was uh, one event that lasted a long quite time. Long Anyways. Long. <laughs> well, let's get into it. Let's meet our drafters here. Sean Jordan, Sean S. Jordan on Twitter, Sean Cougar, Melon Jordan on Instagram, Sean DeRode doing stand-up comedy, Shonda Rhimes releasing uh, another rap song. Man, I hope so. About dad stuff. I'm trying to come. Started, it's writing. It's being written. Sean's got a cover that I've seen for his stand-up comedy special on album, which looks fantastic. Yeah. Subscribe to the, go to the YouTube channel, Sean Jordan Comedian. Just hit smash that, smash that subscribe button, bro. Just go smash it. I don't ask for much. I try not to. Subscribe to Sean's YouTube channel, Gary Owens Comedy. Yeah. (laughs) 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 Uh, I didn't expect that, but that got me. (laughs) Yeah, do that. Special will be out. People call uh, Sean you know. the White Gary Owens. <laughs> He's the White. <laughs> Please do. And watch. We also call him the White Gary Payton. We also call him the White Gary Payton for different he, he loves gloves. The White He's also glove, the white, dude. He's the Jewish Gary Goldman. He's the White <laughs> Gary Owen. Did you say the White Glove? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm giving him the White Glove treatment. <laughs> <laughs>
I got sports on my list. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also, I will be tonight at Healing Comedy Club with the Sklar brothers. If you do not know who they are, they are amazing. Uh, Randy and Jason Sklar, they're fantastic. It's highly recommended show. I've been a fan of them since before I even started stand-up. I, they were some of the people that I think subconsciously got me into stand-up. So I'm open for them tonight at Healing Comedy Club. So make sure you come down and check that out. Please say what's up after the show if you do. Uh, so excited to chill, and I want you to see him so bad. Also, we just got our ticket link finally for All Fantasy Everything at the Podfort at Tree Fork Music Festival. It is in Boise, and it is going to be on March 21st, 7 p.m. We got doors at 7. There's a ticket link up. I'll put it on my socials, but it's at the Egyptian Theater. So uh, we're stoked. It's going to be awesome. Uh, so yeah, Boise, if you're, if you're in town, get your tickets for that, and we'll see you then. You know, also sign up for the Patreon. It's... It ain't that much. Two two trips to Starbucks, and you're getting like hundreds of extra episodes. So, are you pushing you know the I mean? AFE Patreon right now? Yeah. How about it? All right. Yeah. Bonus episodes, yeah. auction Why drafts, not? mailbags. Yeah, I mean, free. I don't have too much on the road. Uh, you know, I'm just kind of chilling. Love it. After like we're doing Phoenix and Boise and stuff, but I don't have any like dates out there. So. Uh, well, David Bory might cool guy joke seventy seven on Instagram. Where can people see you, David? This is coming uh, out uh, soon, right? This is coming yeah, out when next does this week. Come out? Next week, Zeke? Yeah, next, next week. week. Oh, next oh, then week, go to Zeke. Snow Jam. Go to Snow Jam in the middle of January. Sorry, Snow if you're in Sioux Falls. Jam. January 4th, I believe, is the date. Oh, okay. Yeah, I got some stuff in January. January 5th and 6th, you can see me at the Denver Comedy Lounge. January 12th and 13th, you can see me at Hilarities in Cleveland. Uh, January 22nd through the 26th, I will be a mem- partaking in the... Eric Andre and Practical Jokers Cruise, if you're interested in that thing. Uh, January 26th. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know, that's your, you want to no, go be, on a cruise so to the Bahamas to where I probably will not talk to you. January 26th and 27th, <laughs> I'm doing the Capitol Hill Comedy Bar in Seattle, Washington. All those, that's that's January. We'll worry about, oh, well, February 3rd. Phoenix, the, baby. Is that Phoenix? February first 3rd, through the 3rd. The, first through the 3rd. So the next weekend is Phoenix. And then, I, you know, also, I don't know the Boise date because my calendar is not open. But we're out. Everybody's out. Everybody's Let's go to pool when we're in Phoenix. Yeah, done. <laughs> Say, Say no less. more. Yeah. <laughs> Allison Herman is here. A Herman 2006 on, on X. On X. Gonna give it to you. He insists on, on calling it X. <laughs> uh, what do you want on Instagram? Is it also A Herman? Do you want people to even follow you on Instagram? What are we yes. What are we pushing here? I have unified branding across all platforms. Hey, like the true hey. digital creator I am. Um, yeah, follow me on X. Follow me on Blue Sky. Follow me on Threads. All the various X uh, competitors that don't seem to be taking off, but we're all staking out our territory anyway. Ja Rule. Um, uh, who else was a DMX competitor? I think Jaw was the biggest one. Big Jaw Rule. Yeah. Follow Allison on Jaw Rule. <laughs> Where, uh, what if I really just shut down your momentum, man, in a, in a, with my little Jaw Rule joke, Allison. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> it's all worth it. Uh, TV critic at Variety, <laughs> is there anything you'd like to point people towards that you worked on this year that you're especially proud of? That there's the 100 greatest television shows of all time that you helped contribute yes. to. 
Um, anything that you agree with on that list, I was responsible for. And anything that you don't agree with was one of my colleagues. So uh, thank you and you're welcome. But I haven't looked at the list, but Entourage is where? Um, Entourage got barely edged out for number one by I Love Lucy. It was okay. tough putting it above The Sopranos and The Wire, but you just have to respect quality where you see it. Um, understandable. Understandable. I Love Lucy, Entourage, The Late Late Show of James Corden, and then The Sopranos, <laughs> I think, was the top, was your top billing right there. Yes. And of course, you had no input on the on the late night rankings. It was like Corden, uh, late night with Letterman, Daily Show with Jon Stewart. It's obvious where we have to put these. But um, yeah, I'm at Variety now. I exclusively answer to Hollywood Allison. Thank you for coordinating with my team of three assistants to get me on this podcast. Um, But We had to go to so many different sweet greens just to get a hold of them. It was crazy. (laughs) A lot of meetings. A lot of of sit-downs. Oh, yeah. A lot of afternoons at Sugarfish. They had to put down their bags of Harvest Bowls to input in the Outlook calendar. It It was tough, but we got it done. We really had to loop back in a bunch to get this done. So many water bottles were exchanged over so, <laughs> so many, many conference room tables. Little, little ones. Smaller and smaller each meeting, just until they were, and you could barely see them. They were like on the atomic level water bottles. We had to, we had to surprise people at Diptyque who were buying like candles en masse. You know, it was, it was, it was a very Hollywood weekend. It was fun. But after all that, you can read um, my regular reviews. Um, I recently wrote a tribute to Andre Brower. That was fun. You know, I mean, as fun as one can get when memorializing a legend who has gone too soon. Um, I wrote a farewell piece about Succession, a television program I'm sure will not be mentioned in the remainder of this podcast. No. Um, but yeah, just find my, find my stuff at a Variety, everyone's favorite trade publication. Fantastic. Find her stuff at Variety or you can uh, find her wearing Balenciaga X Erewhon in line at Erewhon for a $18 Kylie Jenner lip kit smoothie. How dare you? I am exclusively a Hailey Bieber strawberry glazed donut aficionado. (laughs) Give me a Kylie product. I will spit it out. (laughs) It's team. It's team Hailey over here. My name is Ian Carmel at Ian Carmel on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. All I, I think I have a threads. You can find me everywhere. Ian with an I, Carmel with a K. I uh, is you there an Ian the... with an E? <laughs> yeah, dude. It's not as fanatic as it's not E E E. E. It's not E dot N dot. <laughs> it's I A N. Uh, you can find me on the road tonight in New York City at the City Winery with uh, Shane Torres, Josh Gondelman, and Emmy Blotnick. You can find me tomorrow night at the City Winery in Philadelphia uh, with Pat House. And you can see me uh, the 6th. Pat, hell yeah. Pat House. You right, dude? Burning down Pat House. That was. <laughs> if you go to that show, say that to him after the show and he'll laugh. He'll enjoy it. Uh, I'll be in Boston on the 6th, also at City Winery with, I don't know who else on that show yet, but it's going to be fun. Ben Affleck from the town, dude. It's going to be Ben Affleck from the town, dude. It's going to be Donnie Wahlberg. Of Wahlburgers? Of Wahlburgers. No. Of, of Wahlburgers. It's going to be Donnie Wahlberg of the Sixth Sense. Kurt it's be Schilling. Weird Donnie. I know like our politics don't line up, but he is a Boston legend. Kurt Schilling is going to be there. Just pitching, actually. Not even doing stand-up. Weirdly <laughs> enough, Doc, Doug Flutie somehow you got? Yeah. Doug Flute, Boston College hero Doug Flutie is going to be on stage with me. It's going to be great. It's going to be was a hell Roger of a Clemens, was he a Roger Clemens, was he a Red Sox? The Rocket? Absolutely, yeah. Also, the DJ of House from House of Pain. I heard. There. Yeah, okay, the DJ okay. from House of Pain, Aerosmith, yeah. <laughs> all of them. Steven Tyler's 
scarf covered microphone is going to be opening for me in Boston. Half a new edition. You, yeah. you really did it. You really good, did it. Just the good half. If half a new edition shows up, you got to let him headline. Of course. Okay. But if all of new edition shows Depends up, Depends on the half. <laughs> it does depend on the half. It it's does. like Bobby and Mike. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. I'm a Ralph oh. Tresvant guy. Anyways. What? Sorry. I love Ralph. January 19th and 20th, I will be hyenas in Fort Worth. Uh, you can see us in Phoenix, as we've already discussed. I will be at Zany's in Chicago on February 18th. It's my brother's birthday. I'm doing I'm doing a uh, David's brother's birthday tribute show at Zany's. Uh, I'm excited. March 8th and 9th, you can see me at Sports Drink in New Orleans, Louisiana. Potentially Pretty with someone else sure. on the Zoom right now. Pretty sure. The Queen signed off. So we're just, uh, Ian and I are crossing the I's and dotting the T's. On the no, eye. no, we're not. We're crossing the T's and dotting the I's. That's right. Uh, <laughs> stop that. Flip it. Reverse it. So many dates. March 13th through the 16th, I will be at the Punchline in San Francisco. And then March 23rd, I am recording my hour special to me, as we're calling it, at Revolution Hall in Portland, Oregon. Come see that. So and we can draft me. it next year. Dude, everyone's going to that, bro. See? See how it works? <laughs> everyone's going to that. <laughs> Everyone. I hate it. hundred. Portlandians are going. We will. I think 800 Portlandians are going and hopefully some people even from Vancouver, Washington. Uh, all of us can draft my comedy special next year. Oh, of course. And also my book, T-Shirt Swim Club. If you can pre-order it right now, pre-orders help so much. It's a book uh, about being fat, a bunch of comedic essays. I write about going to the doctor. I write about fat bastard. I write about uh, <laughs> Being on the Late Late Show and talking about Bill Maher. I write about middle school gym class. I write about everything. Uh, and then my little sister comes in who is a, I call her my little sister. She's a doctor. She writes about everything from a psychologist perspective right after. So pre-order that. You can find all those links on my Twitter, my Instagram, or anywhere books are sold. Now, we're not here to talk about my fabulous book and how much pre-orders help with the publisher's decision to push that book. And how bad I am at TikTok, which is the other big way to sell books. You're uh, great at TikTok, and I will hear nothing else. All right. <laughs> uh, we, <laughs> we are gathered here not to talk about T-Shirt Swim Club. That's next year. Uh, we are gathered here, however, to talk about the year in pop culture in 2023 and to fantasy draft it. Now, the way we determine the order of that draft is with a rollicking game of rock, paper, scissors played between the three of you. And we throw on shoot. Here we go. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Ooh, three different three ways. Way. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Ah, oh, Allison uh, wins. A scissors against two rocks. It's an unnatural victory, but a victory all the same. Now, Allison, as the winner of rock, paper, scissors, it is incumbent upon you to determine the order of today's draft. But before you do that, I will remind you, it is a serpentine draft. A serpentine draft, a concept that I was introduced to by this very podcast. Um, eight, eight years ago. Eight historic years ago. So I, in keeping with tradition, will just go by the order of faces on my Zoom screen to keep things nice and logical for me personally. So I will go me in the upper right corner, then David, then Ian, then Sean, and then oh, Isaac shit. will just be a spectral <laughs> presence. Hovering over oh, the entire man. podcast, yes. Isaac. That that's, order, my, that's my preferred role, really. Spectral presence. Spectral presence. That's what you should call me from now on. We're going to call you spectral. We're going to call you tasteful nudes, spectral presence. 
Red Leather Red Pussy leather Destroyer. Pussy crusher. Of course. Destroyer. Allison, Isaac got a uh, Alfa <laughs> Romeo with red leather seats on the inside. <laughs> and previous guest, Blair Saki, decided to call start calling Isaac Red Leather Pussy Destroyer. Just so you're aware. You know, I was aware of the Alfa Romeo. I yeah. was not aware of the red leather seats. And yeah, it's it is red just leather seats. transforming my entire vision of Isaac as a person. I just imagine, like, you guys live pretty close to each other. I imagine that you see him driving the Alfa Romeo 7, 8, 19 times a day, just up and down, kind of. We're happening. not allowed on the roads that he drives on. <laughs> yeah. Well, I see an Alfa Romeo, and in my head, I'm like, that must be some master of the universe I've yeah. I've never encountered in my exactly. life. But apparently, presence. it's been Isaac this whole time. Spectral presence. Spectral K presence. Spectral K presence with a Gucci belt buckle and two bottles of wine uh, strapped in the front seat. Mm-hmm. Seatbelt on. Well, you got to be responsible. That is correct. Responsible. That's Alpha correct. Romeo I was owner. For a response. Uh, we have we have skipped Sean's description of a serpentine draft, and I say it's high time. It's high <laughs> time for it. Basically, if you pick fourth in the first round, you pick first in the second round. That order is Allison, David, Ian, Sean. Sean, did you have a really good one? No, I was going to say it's like putting <laughs> on Christmas lights. Uh, you know, like back and forth. I'm sure I've done it. I feel like you've but- done it this month. I haven't. No, I haven't. I know I haven't done it this year, but I am sure that I've done it. But, you know, back and forth. <laughs> Who needs to talk about it? We've already, it's been explained. The order of the draft is Allison, David, Ian, Sean. I'm right there in the middle. Uncomfortable. I know. Not I'm nervous about corner. this, too. I did not want the back-to-back. Yeah, me either. This is, I'm, I'm sweating it. You already have so much pressure on you. Yeah. And now we just get to stare at you for two, it's almost, two picks it's, in a row. It's almost come full circle because now it's like, I can't, you know, I can blow it and it's fine because it's expected. So. Now, if I just do better than blowing it, that's okay. Not like before, where if you blew it, you were subject to uh, the whims of the judicial system. <laughs> yeah, but it's the J-E-W-ishal system. The judicial system, the- which is me <laughs> criticizing you. <laughs> uh, I, I didn't like it when I said it. I didn't like it at all. That's all right. Thanks, it's, man. It's, it's, never, it's, it's never been a less delicate time to talk about Judaism. Is there something going on with that? No, not at all. Nothing, nothing, nothing uh, with the religion no. itself. Nothing with our satellite branches. It's time to draft the year 2023 <laughs> in pop culture. Allison has the first pick, and we're going to get to that pick right after this short break. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, I got to tell you, everybody, something, and it's something I've been wanting to get off my chest for a while, and I think you're the right people to hear it. I'm too good of a driver. That's just how it is. And I feel bad that the rest of the world can't compete with that. And, you know, we all have our demons is the main point. We all have things we need to talk about. We all carry around different stressors. Obviously, I'm kidding about being too good of a driver. There's no such thing. If there were, I would be that. But in general, you just, you carry this stuff around and a lot of people don't talk to someone about it. You need a new set of ears to drop that baggage on. You got to talk to people. You, if you keep it all bottled up, guarantee it's going to start to have a negative effect. And it might come out in the dumbest way. Uh, You might take it out on the wrong person, anything like that. So why do that when you could just talk to someone? Therapy is a safe space to talk to someone, to get things off your chest. And it's judgment-free. This person doesn't know you. They're not going to talk to somebody that you know and be like, bro, can you believe what Sean said? None of that stuff. You just need a new set of ears and then they can help you from the outside try to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. You know, it's nice to have somebody without or with that perspective rather who can, again, just look at what you're saying without knowing you, without knowing your personal life and just be like, well, here's here's how I would handle that. Here's some tools you can use 
to help, uh, you know, here's some positive coping skills. Here's something you can do to try to set some boundaries. All those things are so important. Uh, like myself, I'm a people pleaser. And I've had so many people try to tell me that, you know, not everyone's mad at you all the time. Don't be anxious all the time, all this stuff. But it helps when you go to therapy and have that be the case. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, go on and give BetterHelp a try. Give it a shot, why don't you? It's entirely online. We say it all the time. There's a reason we say this all the time because it is effective. It is convenient. It's flexible. They suit it to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire. You get matched with a licensed therapist. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. They want to help you as much as you want the help. Trust us when we say that. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash allfantasy today to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's betterhelp.com slash allfantasy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, I know we talk about it all the time, but we you need ears to talk to that you don't know. One of the things with going to therapy that I think is the most beneficial is that you get to say things to people who aren't going to judge you for it. They don't know the person you're talking about. It just helps. You know, you carry around different stressors, the big, small, you keep them bottled up. They start to affect you negatively. They just do. If you know, let's say your partner at home or your roommate or something, they're always leaving the dishes piled up. If you don't talk to someone about that, they're going to, you know, one day they'll like forget to bring you coffee home or something and then you'll flip out and you'll get in a fight and you won't forgive them for 10 years. You got to talk to people about this stuff. And therapy is a safe place to get things off your chest. You can figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. You can learn positive coping skills. You can learn boundaries. You can learn how to not be such a people pleaser and realize that that's okay. I, the more, the older I get, I'm, more, I'm finding out more and more that almost everyone is a people pleaser and you got to do you first, you know, and that's where therapy comes into play. It just helps you figure out how to do that with somebody who's not judging you while you're talking to them. So give it a try. If you're thinking about starting therapy, go for better help. Give it a shot. It's entirely online. Like we always say, convenient, flexible, and really, you just go fill out a brief questionnaire. You get matched with a licensed therapist. You can switch therapists at any time. They're not going to upcharge you for doing that. You can switch anytime you want. No additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash allfantasy today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash allfantasy. Hey, and we're back. Welcome back to All Fantasy Everything. Already in progress. This is it as far as podcasts go. That's the only one? We're the only one. If you like podcasts, that was us. Thank you. Yeah, if you like podcasts, thanks. Thank you for listening. Yeah, we did. <laughs> Allison, you have the first pick in the 2023 year in pop culture draft. What will that pick be? I am very glad I have the first pick because there's one thing I wanted to make sure I had on my list of 2023 pop culture events. Mm -hmm. I love you all dearly as friends, but this is a podcast about fantasy drafting. I'm not here to make friends. Yeah. I'm here to win this fake arbitrary contest. And therefore, my first pick is Barbenheimer. Oh, Whoa! okay. I thought that, okay. There's some I heavy hitters. Because you get two nope, picks but I did with not, that one. I did not make a drop the bomb pun that I could have. <laughs> but I'm just invoking it before I go on to discuss the cinematic event of the season. Um, yeah, obviously, Barbie and Oppenheimer dropped the same day. One is a children's movie about a doll directed by Greta Gerwig. The other is a three-hour biopic of a nuclear physicist uh, directed by Christopher Nolan. I was very excited for both these films independently. 
I honestly had no idea that anyone except for like five losers on film Twitter, myself included, was like also delighted by this juxtaposition. Um, And then I remember like, because I'm a weirdo who pays attention to these things, like the tracking, like a few weeks out for Oppenheimer, I remember being like $45 million for the opening weekend. And I was like, damn, that's pretty good for like, again, a three hour biopic about nuclear physics and apparently like niche schisms in the Jewish community, which we can talk about. Um, Let's open it up. And then I went to the AMC Burbank 16 on July 22nd. I love that theater. Bought my tickets three weeks in advance and then um, had done the meticulous planning. I was going to do like the full double feature. My butt was going to be glued to a seat for eight hours straight including previews. And then the fire alarm went off during the previews of Oppenheimer. Oh, no! (laughs) So we were in the lobby. Evacuating (laughs) en masse. Um, I did spend several hours after the edible kicked in sniffing some candles in Cost Plus World Market. (laughs) (laughs) That's not a bad place to be stuck when you're selling That's what I'm saying. There's a Pinkberry there. There used to be a Fuddruckers there. There's a mall. That place rules. Did you, at Cost Plus, did you get any international candies? Another thing we call Isaac Lee. In a callback to a recent episode of yours, I did, in fact, get a bar of Tony's Chocolate Only, Ben & Jerry's collab. Mm -hmm. Um, Absolutely. So... I think we made the most of it. Also, um, we did go back for Barbie, but they had turned off the AC in the theater while they had evacuated it. <laughs> so we just sat in a sauna and um, only around I'm Just Ken did the like temperature reach a livable level, but it was all worth it. We suffered for the cause and I did eventually see Oppenheimer at the uh, TCL Chinese Theater in Hollywood, another great place oh, to see a movie. Yeah. But um, I really love both movies. I thought they were so good at doing what they wanted to do. And then just the experience of having everyone so excited to see those movies in tandem, as different as they are, to watch them boost each other, to see theaters like that full after the last couple years, to see all the memes. It was just... Like, I loved both experiences independently, and I loved the weird, like, meme-turned-real-life mass expenditure of money that they became. Yeah. It's amazing it broke the letterbox containment. Like, because it did seem like at first it was like this juxtaposition was just going to be fun for that, and then it was like everybody, everybody was excited about these two things coming out at the same time. And they were amazing that they were both able to succeed, like, the fact that that, that a three-hour movie about the atomic bomb was commercially viable and the fact that like a movie, like a corporate tie-in movie about a doll was like amazing. The fact that they were both able to pull that off was like, imp- seems impossible. I am so happy that I went to Oppenheimer with my mother who fell asleep because I got so lost so quick. And then when she woke up, I was like, yeah, no, I, I got it. I totally understood the whole thing. <laughs> I, was I loved Did I she liked sleep? it a lot. But through the bomb? <laughs> she slept through most of it. I could hear her snoring through most of it. And I was like, okay. So and then I was, I got lost so quick in Oppenheimer, but I liked it. It was visually fun. And like, I can recognize when somebody is doing a really good job at acting, but yeah. I, they were just bounced around so much. Uh, Barbie, on the other hand, right down Main Street for your boy. I really <laughs> I'm, I'm did not lose it. I, did, I didn't see Barbie in the theaters though. I saw it when it was at home. Fell asleep at Barbie, wide yeah. awake. 
for Oppenheimer. But that's because way, I saw I it early. I, mean, I saw I it a- early because I know that I'm usually prone to falling asleep in movies. I saw it early in the day. I made that choice. It was great. And I watched Barbie twice, so I got through it. Yeah. I, yeah. I like Noah Bumbuck. I have not rewatched Barbie, and I'm like kind of afraid to experience that movie not surrounded by 400 people wearing pink jumpsuits. Like, there's just a <laughs> like an elation that was in we'll the room. We'll get you 400 people with pink jumpsuits. Yeah. You want to watch it at home with 400 pink jumpsuits? Come... Mm-hmm. We'll watch it in an AFE live show. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we'll get the Alpha Romeo. <laughs> just invite me to sit on stage so I can just look <laughs> at the at the movie at the same time as everyone else. Um, yeah, I mean, the whole audience was just like on laughing gas that entire time. Um, possibly question. because we'd all just been evacuated from the theater and milling around for four hours. <laughs> how's, how's, like, when do you think that the studios figured out they were coming out on the same day? How how long before them coming out? I can answer or was that on some purpose? of this. Okay. Uh, it was not on purpose. Uh, so I'm just going to plug Variety. We had actors on actors. That was literal Barbenheimer. It was Margot Robbie talking to Killian Murphy. And she was like a pr- the producer of Barbie. Like she was involved before Greta Gerwig or Ryan Gosling. Mm-hmm. Like she kind of put all of it together. And she was saying like, I got a call from a universal executive being like, hey, we have the same date you should move your date. And she was like, you should move your date. And then neither of them did. And then, again, it was just such a cool thing of like, they weren't competing each other against each other. I think certainly in Oppenheimer's case, it seems objectively true. It absolutely helped both movies, right? Yeah. I mean, there was some like survey that came out that was like, Five to ten percent of Oppenheimer's box office was people who could not get into Barbie and were just like, Fine, I'll go see the other movie that's clearly exactly the same as Barbie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like a that, I wonder if experience. anybody did go in like, uh, movie's a movie, whatever. It's got, it's still gonna be fun. <laughs> Isn't there a we, doesn't we, I don't know if this is a rumor or if it's like the internet came up with this? Like, isn't that Christopher Nolan's release date? Like July 21st is like when he likes to release his movies, right? Like that's his he oh, did so not like, move that release date for the novel coronavirus. So he was not yeah. going to move it for Barbie, which I respect. But also, like, I can understand, like, Barbie's conceived as, like, a mostly kid and young women's movie. Yeah. Like, you would, you, I think you would be fine. And it was just like, oh, no, this is actually going to, like, fuse and become something that is, like, bigger than either movie independently. And no right. one had a history. He used to put his movies out with Warner Brothers, right? And then... He left Warner Brothers in a huff. In a huff, right? And then so there was some <laughs> there was some part of this where people were saying, like, this is part of his feud with Warner Brothers, or that Warner Brothers put out Barbie on his release date as kind of a fuck you to Christopher Nolan. Do you think there's any truth to that? Or do you just think this is like a good release date for a mo- for a summer movie? I think it's a good narrative. I just think like if you're in the scheduling department at Warner Brothers, you're not you know, you're like five degrees removed from the guy who pissed off Christopher Nolan. And they also like switched out heads of the studio. But it is like, again, it's a great narrative. But I also thought like no one would be paying attention to that except for like weirdos like me. And then it became something that like, you know, someone going to a multiplex in Duluth, Minnesota might actually be like, did you know, like this is traditionally Christopher Nolan's date (laughs) and Greta Gerwig... (laughs) Star of Francis Ha is <laughs> intruding. Now that was a movie. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing that also they were able to like where the movies themselves became the thing driving the promotion, because again, it happened during a labor stoppage where the big, bright, shiny faces in those movies couldn't go out there and promote them. So the fact the movie's very existence became the promotional tool itself, which was like especially helpful during all this. Cause I think like Greta Gerwig could go out and promote them because the DGA settled, but also She's in SAG, so maybe she shouldn't have. Yeah, that seems like a conflict of interest, though, right? I think it's a conflict of interest, but even still, they didn't need to. Like the movie, right. the internet just latched became... onto it and promoted the whole thing. Yeah, like more. It was the most popular thing. Yeah, that's what also, I'm saying. It had to help. I will say, uh, uh, as a rewatch, Barbie, still great. We threw it on the other day because, uh, like, now Max, their entire thing is like we have Barbie. They mapped yeah. out the whole, <laughs> there's like add-ons and shit. It's wild. Movies Greta Gerwig watched yes. in preparation <laughs> for it. Like all this stuff. Um, which is funny. Like the idea of someone going and watching Mon Uncle because they liked Barbie is very, or like the umbrellas uh-huh. of Cherbourg. Or like, like Playtime. <laughs> like Jacques Tati, sure. <laughs> maybe they will. Maybe I, it probably will be like in, you know, entry to a lot of those films for, for some younger people. But um, the jokes are just, you pick up even more stuff. Just how, also, you're reminded of how fun, like the musical drops in it between the Matchbox 20 and the Indigo Girls, like closer to fine, <laughs> and then push. Like, just those two things alone are just so funny. I'm just Ken and push both slay at karaoke. Yeah. I'm oh, just gonna wow. put that out there for everyone. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> immediate, immediate Pantheon karaoke songs. Did, did you like both the movies? Did you like Oppenheimer? I liked both of them. I thought Barbie was like, it's trying to do so many things. And like, do I think it like absolutely perfectly makes a statement about like feminism and toxic masculinity and like self-actualization? Like maybe not, but it just, again, has so, I think the thing that I love the most about it is like, when you think of a $145 million IP movie, it looks like garbage. Like yeah. 95% of the stuff that is produced at that level is just like a CGI screensaver with like a Ezra Miller's head on a tennis pole. <laughs> and the fact that she did this and had like practical effects and real backgrounds and like legible homages to like, as you said, like classical Hollywood musicals, French new wave stuff. Um, And it didn't feel pretentious. It just felt like, oh, this is a real movie. And like some people will watch this and use it as a gateway, but some people will just like have a nice time and not have to suffer through three hours of totally illegible nonsense. Um, So I love that. Little Michael Sarah thrown in there for you? Who doesn't want a little Michael Sarah? I've been missing the guy. Little Alan? Come on. Yeah, dude, give him to me. He's probably like the voice, you know? I didn't do the double feature. My wife did the double feature. Uh, That's a lot of movie in one day. A lot of movie. I was was surprised that people were really pulling that off. That's like... uh, She insisted I go see Barbie in theaters. I was like, I'm probably okay to wait or like wait until the hype dies down a little bit. And I'm so happy. We went like the Monday go see Barbie again. I wore a pink shirt. I got dressed up. I was so happy I went because I was reminded of how fun it is to watch a good comedy around other people. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's like a comedy. Same thing. Like the laugh, it's infectious and you're in a good mood. People being in a good mood gets you in a better mood. If you So having seen them all, if you were to do the double feature, what would you do first? 
I think we had the right original plan. I think Oppenheimer first to like yeah. get a serious, you know, your attention Mentalic span is at its peak. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, your eyes are just wide open. You're like, okay, yeah. calm down a little bit. And then you, and then you kind of like lighten up with Barbie. Um, but like, you know, I had a great time seeing them both independently. I mean, even Oppenheimer, I was like, it's a three hour biopic about a physicist, but I felt very immersed in it. I thought it was like a very different kind of movie than Chris Nolan usually makes. Like it's For basically sure. an Aaron Sorkin movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's why I got lost. I was waiting for the bomb to drop. I was waiting for the one part of Nolan that, that they threw in there. So the bomb you got lost exploding. Did. Yeah. I, I didn't he... get, I'm exaggerating a little bit, okay. but it was just like, they just bounce around a lot. You just really had to pay attention. I, uh... I really had to pay attention. And it also was like a lot of, jargon for me like a lot of political jargon where i was i was like I, I know what they're getting at but they didn't do like the uh the billions version whether they dumb it down for you real quick right, right after they say the complicated shit they just kept it complicated so just had to pay attention as well and then benny safty's saying everything in like an insane hungarian accent that you just cannot <laughs> decipher slathered in miracle whip in an insane <laughs> hungarian accent that was one of those great um when you rewatch it and you can Wikipedia everyone like while you're watching it, that's like another right. fun rewatch where you look stuff up and you're like, oh my God, these were like yeah. everyone involved in this movie were like some of the biggest and some of the most awful scientific minds like totally. of the time. Like wonderful, awful, all the things. Like, there was the guy who invented the microwave and a guy who want, <laughs> who invented, you know, the neutron bomb, like all that stuff. Two products I use equally. But they also treat, the fact that they're treating these like scientists like Matt Damon showing up in Thor. It's like, oh, Niels yeah. Bohr is here. Like, crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Albert. Albert Einstein. Come help. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I still, I feel like such a, it, it's funny when I, when Einstein was here, I was like, oh, that's Einstein. I, I felt this little thing where I'm like, oh my God, he's in a movie. I don't, it's, it it happens like that to me when they when they get like a I don't know I don't know how to explain it. It was the I, it was the actual personification of the and that young man's name was Albert Einstein. Yeah, like you see, but you have to you need to do that to tell the story of of Oppenheimer. I guess that's what's fun about a period piece. Also, someone like me, I just keep calling myself stupid. But I always think of Albert Einstein being like hundreds of years ago. I I don't know why, but I just I feel like it was so long ago, and it wasn't that long ago. Same thing with Picasso. It always feels like that was. Like in the, in the dark ages or something. You're thinking of Van Gogh. I'm Who also wasn't Picasso. that long ago. I said what I said. No. Okay. No, I'm thinking of Van Gogh. <laughs> Van Gogh was a little bit longer ago. I feel like Picasso was a long time ago too, Sean. Didn't Picasso use a phone, right? Isn't that the whole thing? Like Picasso was alive when phones were around? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You're so probably like the 20s. Yeah. 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 I didn't, I always think of Picasso as being like the 1600s or something. Picasso died in 1973. See that to me is bananas. wasn't Didn't wasn't Aerosmith the aforementioned Aerosmith were they around by seventy <laughs> three? Wait, hold on, let me look. Picasso and Aerosmith, like Aerosmith was just starting out, and Picasso was like, ah, a good last band I got to hear. I'd, I'd like to think that's what he thought for sure. He's like, man, man, long dream on life, really hits. A lot of accomplishments, but like, man, that's Steven Tyler, dude. This is Sean. This is amazing. So, dream on was originally released as a single in 1973. Their first album came out January 5th, 1973. Pablo Picasso died October or April 8th, 1973. So Picasso could have heard Aerosmith. <laughs> yes. That, see, on his tell me that's bed. not crazy. Yes. <laughs> All right, that's crazy. He probably a guy from the like, 1600s could have heard Aerosmith. 
I think he thought the baton has been passed. I did. Yeah, that's he was like, he was I, can, a, I can rest. He was I changed for the to face take it. of representational art. Yeah, and now this man's daughter will be in Lord of the Rings. <laughs> that's what he was. Yep. He saw the dominoes falling. He was like, this will uh, this will somehow end in Orlando Bloom, who is not yet born, wearing a beautiful blonde wig with braids. Like Legolas. 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 I saw, speaking of going to grip some movies in a day, I saw all the director's cuts of L.O.T.R. in one day, and Whoa. it was sick. I'd do it again. I loved it. You went to the theater to do it? Yeah. Six, 16 hours of movie. God it damn. It was dope. Yeah. I ain't got did you it. start at like 6 a.m. or did you leave at 2 a.m.? Eight in the morning till midnight or something like that. It was all day with like half hour breaks. I mean, you've seen him. I'd seen him. So I was like, you can, I could leave for an hour or two if I wanted to. It was fun. Anyway, we're not talking about that. What we are talking about is David Bowie's first pick. Oh, man. I, yeah. I'm be gone. I know. I got to take <laughs> it. It's just like a first round talent. I thought it was going to be the first pick. I don't even... It's no surprise. This is this is a little boosy pick for me, but the sheer magnitude of it, yeah, you yeah. have to you have to acknowledge it. I gotta take the eras tour. Yeah. Uh and accompanying yeah, film. Will you say the eras tour clean again? The eras tour. Right. The eras tour. Do you like Taylor Swift? I'm in I'm ambivalent. Yeah. But you do not like her. I don't dislike, but like this was like it. It was everywhere all the time. Records constantly. Yeah. I mean, when they came to Den- when she came to Denver, it was like all over the news. Our con- economy is boosted. And then what? Which? Uh, where was it? Where they they tracked the sound on the Richter scale? Which stop was that? Did you did you see that? Oh, I don't know. Maybe Seattle because they just had the equipment from Marshawn Lynch running. <laughs> <laughs> he was probably there too. He's my Taylor Swift. Uh, no, it like it altered the con or it affected the economy, right? And that, then like, taking that was the big thing about it. Taking taking the film straight to theater, all that stuff. It was just you couldn't escape it all year, right? I yeah, feel like yeah. it was it was the biggest thing. It was the first tour to gross over a billion dollars. And that right. was like at the halfway point. It uh the the film of the tour had the biggest opening for a concert film of Ever, all time. Right? Yeah, I'm sure by far. Yeah. I saw the film in theaters. I did not pay $800 in my firstborn child to see her in person, but... I would have. Um, I, I mean, I was just like... I'll keep the kid. I need to, like, see... Because I'm in the same boat as you, David. Like, I'm kind of ambivalent about her. I can respect her. Like, she's clearly a great songwriter and a great business person and just very savvy. And I just wanted to see, like, the effect this was having on people and, like, the totality of this three-hour concert of her entire career... And like, what people were like dancing in the aisles, like really, See? yeah. And she dropped music do. during the tour, like dropped albums during the. T- it's just like a like a feat of entertainment. It feels like right. It's a three and a half hour tour, and she plays the entire time. Or three and a half hour concert, she plays the entire time. It's like a forty six song playlist. I am married to somebody who went to like one of the first Las Vegas dates, and who's like crazy about it, and then. Like, she, it was a whole, like, it was a pilgrimage. Her and one of her friends, like, drove to Las Vegas because they wanted to go see the concert before it came to Los Angeles. And it's it's one of those things. We don't really, I, I was going to say we don't really have those in pop culture anymore, but we haven't really had those very often in the history of pop culture where someone becomes this big. No, it's it the, this the size of it is insane. 
it was Seattle where the earthquake happened, a 2.3 magnitude earthquake uh, at the Taylor's second Seattle show on July 23rd. You know what the kids are doing is they're taking uh, Oppenheimer, putting it on mute and playing the audio from the Eras movie while on mushrooms. Really? What? No. No, Which I made kid? that up. Oh, okay. <laughs> like a Wizard of Oz. Thing. I believed you. I was like, man, it's going down at this. I said part. it pretty serious. I was proud of myself. She's got like, I'm I'm looking at this like fact list of the Eras tour right now. She has a fedora that she gives out during the show. To mm-hmm. one, like to a lucky fan? To one fan. It's from when it's her 22 hat. Because that's the thing about the tour. It. It's like an Eras, it's the right. Eras of Taylor Swift. Right. Where she goes through each of them where it's like we start off with her being like a 17 year old country songwriter. And then it ends with, I guess. Uh, I also, I also feel like entertainment is so niche right now that you can kind of like it's hard to have something so big that like keeps getting into your space if it's not something you're looking for. And I feel like the whole year I was constantly here. And you know what I mean? And that's just not, not looking for it, but it it's, was there. I know not in mean. a bad way. It's just not at yeah. all in my wheelhouse or anything. And it was, ju- it just kept coming up. And I, and then, yeah, the highest grossing tour of all time. That's quite the feat, man. I mean, it was pretty incredible. Burt Kreischer was on tour this year, you know? And- <laughs> <laughs> well, and this is what I mean by like, you have to respect the savvy. Like the concept of the Eras tour is like tied in with this project she's undertaking where she's reissuing and re-recording and reissuing all her masters. Yeah. So it's like, I... Which is also amazing. Swift, I'm re-recording Fearless, an album I made when I was like 17. And now that that's in the zeitgeist anyway, I am also going to incorporate that into my set list and also like make clear to all my fans that this is not just a normal tour. It's not just like all my songs from Reputation and like a few from The Vault. It's like, I am doing, this is like the tour to end all tours. You need to be here. You also need to, you know, support me in my professional divorce from Scooter Braun. And yeah, she just takes up all the oxygen in this way. I mean, down to like her dating Travis Kelsey, and it's like, oh, it's like a four quadrant now. Like you're getting yeah. all the football guys. <laughs> like you're yeah. you're getting everyone at the same time. She's a ma- she's a mastermind. She has a song about it. She told us she was a mastermind, and then she, she went and did it. It's Apparently inspired by Phantom Thread, which is like one of the most crazy making <laughs> facts I've ever learned in my life. <laughs> that D Day movie. Yeah, no, the, the D-Day Lewis. Oh, okay. <laughs> Wild. She. It's one of those, I guess that's one of those reminders that like even the most famous, most powerful people like in entertainment also have to consume entertainment. So there was a time when she was like on a plane or like at her house in Connecticut when she was like, let's watch Phantom Thread. Yeah. Well, she was dating Joe Alwyn for, oh, you know, yeah. six years. And that guy is in like legit, like, pretty arty like he was in a Claire Denis movie at one point like he was in the favorite and so just like that was I remember that being a meme of like oh imagine like Taylor Swift watching Billy Lynn's long halftime walk the like weird ongly like <laughs> 3D movie that he made that he that Joe was in um but yeah I mean it's just like I remember watching the movie and being like this is so like powerful and omnipresent that she's she must like be sealing yourself in a vacuum chamber for the next five years. Like you, you just can't like, after you put yourself out there this much, you must be taking yeah, a huge retreat. step back. Did it get you to dive into the music after you watched the movie? Were you like, okay, now I'm in, now I get it. 
I I mean, like, I got it before. Like, I understand that, like, Love Story is, like, probably one of the best pop songs ever written. Um, mm-hmm. But I did. I mean, it, it worked. Like, I listened to the, not just Fearless, I listened to, like, the reissued Fearless to be like, right. how is this different from the original? And, like... Dude, it was so fun listening to that, like, it's so fun just to hear the tiny little differences. I love, I think her music is, it's, as far as pop music goes, perfect. I mean, it gets right in there and it sticks and it's good. Like, good, good. I love her. I think it's great. She's fantastic. Like, the the fact that she put out the, like, a ten, I mean, this was a couple of years ago, but a 10-minute version of, like, All Too Well and then, like, played that in concert a couple of times. The fact that she, like, switched every couple concerts, like, switched a couple of the songs that she was doing and then those all so became like the fact that she was like doing a different playlist that became its own pop culture moment. The bracelets became a pop culture moment. She donated. Now I know you can say like everything's a tax write off for rich people, but the fact that she gave everyone a $100,000 bonus on the Eras tour, like t- truck drivers, you know, people who like worked on the tour, like that's amazing. That'll change your life. I mean, a lot of those people are on just like a regular old salary. It's like they, being somebody who works on that tour doesn't mean you're getting paid any more than somebody else who would work on in that stadium doing a different job. You know, it's like what you would get for winning the in season tournament in the NBA. And Taylor Swift gave it out to a truck driver. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> and a truck driver, man, they deserve truck driver. Hell yeah, hard. Teamster it's hard to be dude? a truck driver. We're a big Teamster podcast. <laughs> take showers. At, take showers at a truck stop. Nah. Snort and go fast. Yeah, hitting the road. Do anything with go fast. <laughs> uh, the well, those are my two big picks, and they're gone. So let's. I, I, I I'm sorry, Sean. I knew I didn't want to. <laughs> no, you knew was, you were somebody gonna, was going to take. Some, it. Yeah, no it way. had to go in the first. For round. sure, of course it did. That wasn't making past me. Oof! Now it's tri- is, now it's tricky. Is it? I'm not crazy, right? Those were two glaring huge things. Those were yes. The, yeah. Those oh were yeah, the, yeah, I meant it. Like I had Barbenheimer at the top of my list, and was like, if someone else takes this, I will be pissed. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Woof. Woof. All right. Now we're in now we're in some 1.5 picks. These are definitely some not some not first round talents. We've got what does a 1.5 pick mean? Like in between one and two? Or kinda kind of in that in between one and two range. You know what I mean? Where it's like these yeah. are up for these are up for debate. But I am going to take, I think I have to take succession landing landing the plane. God oh. damn it. That was oh, I, thought you were <laughs> I knew that's what you wanted for your second pick. You've you've been the most vocal about it. Uh I, I haven't seen it yet. Any of it? Not this last season, because I didn't oh, want to really? do it if I didn't oh, have time. So can can we not talk about Oh no, I don't want to be that. I don't want to be that person. You can do whatever you want. Uh yeah. People have yelled at me on the internet for talking about succession. Eight months after the episode my, aired, my so. no, no, that's crazy. I wouldn't do it if it was if it was on tonight. I wouldn't get mad. Or do you know what here. happens at all in the final season? Not really. No. Basically, look at what's happening with CBS now. Okay. No, yeah, you don't Fox. worry about reckoning. I'm not yeah. in a yeah, not one bit. This it's fine. I'm still gonna watch it at some point. The final season was just fantastic. It was I thought, crazy. Like, it went nuts. It was it was amazing. <laughs> I didn't like I I just really enjoyed it. I thought like the when they when they had a death, I thought they handled that amazingly. It was like emotional. It got like who died? Hit me. Are we, who do you we, think? Can I? It's so late. It's so late. We're gonna spoil. We're gonna spoil the final season of Succession. Yeah, don't get mad at any of us. You can fast forward to like five minutes from now, uh, or or you know seven minutes from now, ten, you know whatever. 
move around sure. if you don't want to hear like final season of Succession. If you want to get mad about it, get mad about it. This is the beef I can handle because it's so low key. Don't sure. say picks. If you. <laughs> oh damn! Um, I forget the dad's name. Was it uh, Brian Cox? Yes, but the crazy thing yeah, that yeah, happens is that like everyone going into the season was like, okay, like it's literally called Succession. Logan is going to die. Like it'll, you know, it's go, it's going to happen. But I think everyone expects that to happen. You know, maybe in the premiere, maybe in the finale, and more importantly, you expect it to be this like big thing. And the brilliant thing they do is that it happens off screen mm-hmm. like it's mm-hmm. completely anticlimactic he no just death scene no like he's literally screen. like in the bathroom he is in the shitter on an airplane and yeah, how it goes and like you watch one of the and the crazy thing is i knew going into the episode that it would happen because my editor accidentally spoiled it for me and like i literally knew this is the episode where logan dies and then you see Shiv, the daughter, like, misses a phone call from Tom. She just, like, immediately, you know, presses decline. And I didn't even think about that. I was like, oh, you know, just a phone call. And then you realize, like, Tom's on the plane. Yep. And you just have this... It's so sudden. It's just, like, in the middle of a random mid-season episode. And then it just turns into something completely different. Like, they even start, like, other plot lines of, like, oh, Roman and Jerry are arguing. And then all of a sudden, the whole episode just freezes and pivots and becomes this entirely new thing. And it was just like masterful. The death happens the way like death happens where you, yeah. there's not some grand Shakespearean sure. scene. You know what I mean? Where someone like, I don't even know that Shakespeare did that, but there's not some big schmaltzy like death scene. It's just like scary and you don't really know a lot. And you know, it, again, it like it happened like in a bathroom. They aren't really sure. You know, they go through like bargaining. They go through like all the stages of grief and all that stuff too. And like, mm-hmm. you know, the wrong person's there. Like when it happens, you can't get there. Like it was just, you know, we've been in the era of the anti-hero and TV for like what, like a, a couple decades now. But also, you know, you find yourself really feeling for all these people because you're watching them like go through just what feels like a very realistic death scene. And it was just like emotionally wrenching to watch even these awful people these awful feckless people like go through it. It like, it made me like, I think that I'm pretty sure that episode made me cry. If I'm like remembering it, right. Just cause it felt loser. So visceral. Yeah. Like, it, no, it did. It felt, it of felt, course yeah. it made you cry, yeah. man. I cry at everything. Yeah, dude, I would be balling. So is this a series finale, right? It's all done. Oh yeah. The series. Yeah. Is yeah. The not done. that episode. But it also ends, like, even, like, the death is perfect, and the fact that it happens so early is perfect, because they have the whole rest of the season to kind of figure out, like, what happens after. But then, like, but the way it, like, ends, ends is also perfect. So, again, we are going into full spoilers, but Mm -hmm. the company gets sold. Tom basically becomes, like, puppet CEO. So, like, he technically is has Logan's job, but like none of the power. You're talking about literally... Tom DeLong, right? They switched it. It's like, it's a it's big change. Yeah, he's like, I'm devoting to... the entire company to discovering <laughs> alien life now. Yeah. That's that's what Waystar Rayco is all about. Um, and so Tom is technically in the chair and then it happens because they're like, there's like a dramatic board vote and Shiv is the deciding vote and she can't give it to Kendall. And so she's like, I'm I'm not doing this for selling the company. And then the final shot is just Kendall like completely destroyed looking out over Battery Park into the East River. And apparently there was a take they shot where Jeremy Strong tried to climb over the railing and the guy who plays the bodyguard had to like take him off to make sure 
you know, wow. nothing happened. Yeah, wow. Uh, it's so intense, but it's so perfect for all the characters. You're like, of course, Kendall can't win. He can't end up on top. Of course, you know, Tom is going to worm his way up there, but like, yeah. <laughs> he's never really going to have it. <laughs> it was, it felt like everybody was doing, everybody ended where you thought, where they had to end, right? Like, like yeah. you said, like, it's like, yeah, they weren't going to run it. Of course they weren't. They weren't. That's yeah. not who they were ever. That's they got close and everything and nepotism helped and all that. But ultimately it's like, you guys aren't like the sharks in this tank. Speaking of them being close when they were like at their mom, at their mom's house in like the Caribbean, like in the kitchen, when they all re reverted back, when you're like, Oh yeah, they're siblings. And they have like this old history and like, Oh, that was yeah. when, the, when, <laughs> when Kendall thought he was going to have it. Too. And it's so oh. sad. Because, like, they're so... You can, like, see a version... I mean, I remember I made this, like, joke on Twitter right when it happened. It's, like, it's an objectively happy ending if any of them were, like, remotely capable of emotional maturity. Like, they yeah. all get billions of dollars out of this deal. They don't have to deal with this thing that, like, just poisons all their relationships. They can just be a family, and they do, like, deep down love each other, but they just will never be able to get there because they've been, you know, ruined by their horrible parents and the system that they've grown up in. And you, like, see them, like, right before the end, have this moment of togetherness, and then you're like, they're never going to have that again. Like, they're never going to be that close yeah. because this thing has just, like, fully blown them apart. But they're all still rich. They're all still rich, yes. yeah. So, so cry me a river, you know? Do you see Roman, like, dealing mm -hmm. with his dad's death, like, in this... I don't... They they did such an yeah, amazing I, job on that show of taking these, like, complete... Like, these characters who we have so little in common with as people. Like, all the people watching the show have so little in common with all the people on it, but they find these human moments, whether it's them being, like, siblings, feeling like teenagers in the kitchen again, or watching Roman deal with, like, all the things, like, realizing his dad was a horrible person but also missing him you know like i don't know kendall giving the eulogy as it kind of oh like i don't know man like it and was the just, final shot of shiv and tom like oh, reluctantly holding hands, holding hands oh, which in the car yeah. <laughs> i feel very smug about because um like people were arguing on Twitter about their various interpretations of it. And Jesse Armstrong gave an interview where he, you know, took my, my read on it, which is like, it's this like very perverse and sad form of equality where it's like, he's bumped up a little by being CEO. She's taken down a peg by losing the company, but like, you know, they're neither of them truly has the upper hand. So they're just going to be miserable forever. And now, you know, she's pregnant, which was a thing Ooh, that yeah. was not, written into the show like Sarah Snook with, just happened uh, she to be pregnant with uh with with Tom baby. Mhm. Mm and Man. it was Sarah Snook was pregnant in real life and they I just decided to like weave that in. Um and it's amazing cuz like they they only really have it in a couple scenes like they don't really like overwork it but it like completely changes the tenor of the fact that Shiv and Tom are like still together but like she's always going to resent him and he's always going to like have betrayed her and it's just awful, but amazing. <laughs> it's so good. Plus the, uh, is it Alexander Skarsgård? I always forget which Skarsgård. Yes. Yeah. Daniel Ek Musk. <laughs> yeah, Daniel Ek Musk. Because yeah. <laughs> he's the perfect one, right? He was the one that was in True Blood. They're yeah. all, all those Skarsgårds are perfect in their own way, aren't they? They are. I even the, even the, the dude I that plays he's... Pennywise, where people yeah. are like, oh, he's not perfect. You're like, look at the guy when he's not playing Pennywise. It's perfect. Yeah, but Scar this Skarsgård playing, like you said, Daniel Ek Musk, like this perfect, awful 
Swedish CEO. Just, he's also so good. Everybody's so shiny. Got to watch it, buddy. I will. It's I know I just said TV's easier. Succession is another show where I have to pay all of my attention. I can't be on my phone. I can't like I can't have it at a low volume because someone's asleep. I got to be like watching it like phone away from me because it's so good. But also I get I just get lost with stuff like that, with the jargon. I mean, it it is tough for me. So I just want to give it its full credit and pay attention. A lot of crazy metaphors in that show. (laughs) I mean, there are like the 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 whole bear hug. That I remember the bear hug. I was like, what the fuck is a bear hug? An actual bear hug. (laughs) Well, but the thing is, like, they have like I wish it was an actual bear hug. I know what that is. They have all these complicated business jargon, but then they're like, it's just like if you fuck them in the ass and then they fuck you, and then yeah, (laughs) so many, and then you kind of get it. Who's the king of the fucky fuck mountain? And you're like, ah. I guess this is business. Let's just fuck them. Let's just fuck them. We'll just fuck them then. We'll just fuck them. Yeah, you get (laughs) real. I guess this is how you make money. Yeah. A lot of fucking. You do think that watching the show where you're like, is that all business is? (laughs) Yeah. It's just like. (laughs) Do they teach that at Harvard? Yeah, just boiling. (laughs) Like, I remember when when he was like, sometimes it is a big dick contest. And you're like, I guess. Is it I've really? never, I, yeah, I yeah. never thought about my life that way. Are but they that I, rich that they get? Bored I don't have like, that much money. If they are, they're just like seriously, get your dick out. Like whatever, whoever's is bigger can have it. <laughs> Everything the show did well in the lead up to the final season, it did well in the final season. It did like the the stories were amazing, the jokes were fantastic, the peripheral characters which the show is so good at were amazing. And after Logan dies, you get like. You know, all those old Jerry and uh, I'm forgetting the other guy's name. Carl. Carl. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're all amazing. Like once he dies and like that and that central figure has gone and that, you know, the tourism porn, which that show did so well, like the little glimpses into billionaire lifestyles, like they go to that weird retreat in, in Sweden, you know. Oh, man. Company, what a, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all just so good. Um, Sean Jordan, time for your first and your <laughs> second picks. Uh uh, I I can feel myself being well. I'm just gonna. I guess I'm just gonna have to go. All me. What I you know. Uh, I'm gonna go jury duty. Yeah, man. I loved I it. Still haven't watched it. I thought it was so fun, and it was such a good new. They did it, and they did it well, and it was so positive. That was my big thing with it. Like that guy ended up seeming, actually, legitimately great. He didn't yeah. say any. Maybe they cut whatever, but he seemed like people were throwing all this crazy shit at him and he was just trying to be cool. Like, ah, you know, maybe it's just not the, yeah, maybe whatever. Maybe you guys just need to talk about it when this is all over. Like when that girl, uh, what the guy was having, uh, the main character call his girlfriend for him. And basically his girlfriend was like, break up with him for me. And he's on the phone. He's like, how to go. And he's like, yeah, I, I think you should talk to her. <laughs> that kind of stuff. He just, or like when he took the heat for James Marsden taking a big old crap in his room. Just, he just, I don't know. It was fun. It was a very fun, low stakes watch in a very, very stressful time. And I loved every single second of it. And I cried hard, like at, in so many parts of it. But at the end, when he found out, he was such a good dude. Anyway, I loved it. Loved it so much. Marsden yeah, I knew, I knew Marsden like, the does premise. Rule. I knew what the premise was going in. And like when you when you hear about it, where it's like, oh, it's like they do jury duty and it's all kind of a prank on this one guy who is a real person. And you're like, okay, I think I know what this is. And then I think 
not to like undersell like what they were able to accomplish in terms of like creating this immersive environment, but it's almost like what they did was they created a scripted sitcom Mm -hmm. where like one character's bit in the same way that like one guy is like the kooky dude who thinks he's a bug and like one dude is the, is like a actor um, and like one d- guy's bit is just that he's a real person and like doesn't understand yeah. that this is all fake. Yeah. But it means like there's honestly like plenty of comic, like it would still be funny and well written and good if like the if Ronald Oscar. weren't even part of it. That's a great And then the point. fact that yeah. Ronald is a part of it and he's, you know, such a great discovery and so good natured, like just gives it that extra little juice. And well, it's and they so mean to him. That, a lot of times when they're doing stuff like that, it's they're the the person who doesn't know the foil is going to end up being the butt of all these jokes in a he looks stupid way. He didn't ever look bad. He didn't ever look. Uh, I don't know. I I don't think I would rewatch it and be like, oh, they were mean to the guy or they made him look stupid for the price of comedy or whatever. It all it was all good. It was all fine. They used him and toyed with it, but he never looked bad. I was yeah, I was very very excited. Also, James Marsden does does rule. Did he get an Emmy for that or anything? He got nominated. He did? Yeah. Yeah. He did I think great. he did. Such a... <laughs> did they I mean, I'm to... sure it'd be fun to be an asshole like that, to play yourself a heightened version of yourself like that, but he did it so well. He did... Did they have to, like, start that over once? Did I, did I hear that right? Were they, like started the process with somebody and it like wasn't working out so they had to like oh, restart the entire jury duty process. Allison, you might know more about that. I didn't hear about that, but that would make sense to me. It's also like, you know, we have this whole reference point of like what Nathan Fielder does for example. Yeah, and like yeah. I I think Nathan Fielder is a genius. Um but like there's always that kind of weird like this seems kind of it's at you know, the expense of people. He Nathan Fielder, I mean it is great. I agree with you, but I never watched, I never left Nathan for you being like, oh man, everyone's going to feel great about that. Uh, and it's fine. I'm not saying all, everything has to be great. But with jury duty, I was like, no one's going to be upset that this happened. Like, yeah, he just signed, are. Ronald Gladden just signed like some overall deal with Amazon, which I'm yeah. also like, <laughs> oh, did he what know? is going on? <laughs> oh, did he know? But he oh. deserves it, you know. Sure. Give him give some him, money. Give, what are they, the yeah, shot. what is he going to do? That's so funny. What is what is he going to do with that overall deal? I mean, I bet it's like a Phoebe Waller-Bridge deal where it's like, we're just giving you $100 million to vibe. Yeah. <laughs> if, you, if something comes out of it, great. But we don't need he that. He does have a pretty good average person quality about him. I mean, I I don't know. I, I enjoyed it thoroughly. So, uh, yeah, jury duty. And then... Go a little a little farther down my lane. I'm going to go to the movie realm, and I'm going to pick John Wick Chapter 4. Ah. Loved me. Loved me a John Wick Chapter 4. Speaking of the other Skarsgård, he was fantastic in that. I had no idea that was even him. Rina Sawayama for all yeah. the pop girlies in the chat. <laughs> <laughs> I just loved it. I mean, it's so violent, so fun, such <laughs> so a good... Violent. I mean, it's John Wick. No, violent. no, it's he funny how you said that. It's the movie like, rules. Like 150 stairs at one point. It's, I don't know. It was just such a fun, long three and a half hours that I didn't mind sitting there. All action. It's three and a half hours long? I think so. It might even be longer. It's like, I think it's like a little over two and a half, maybe, but it just oh, really? it flies I by. It was, I mean, I it's it like very long. Longer. It's very yeah. long. It's radical honesty time. I'm two John Wicks behind. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I, I want it to be radical honesty. It's I radical like honesty. I, there was a time in my life and on this podcast when I would have just nodded and said, oh, yeah, that was sick. I am, But I am two John Wicks no. behind. I don't and know how it happened. Great. I don't want to watch them on an airplane for the first time. And it's hard. I don't have a lot of time when my wife isn't here. And it's a, John Wick is a bit of a harder sell for her. I had to go to the theater. I went with Jeff and Kyle and Shane, I think. We had a total dude day. We went to a bowling alley slash movie theater. Not not we everybody can do that, but I'm just saying, like, it was um it was Keanu Reeves old enough to where you're like, is he still gonna is it still gonna happen? And then it happens happens. It's they throw enough other storylines and ancillary characters where you're like, all right, I'll I'll buy it. He's got enough help. Yeah, he's got enough assistance and enough younger people kind of sh- like shooting arrows to like he does. He doesn't have to take on fifty people. They're there. Is but he's got is common in it? I'm only going to see it if Common's in it. He, common is in it, isn't he? Yeah. I also, radical so. honesty. They all run together for me. It's just one long like him getting a bunch of guns right. and then going to a place to use all those. And guns. I'm fine with that. But that's I cool. Place, yeah. Yeah. In this movie, the places are Paris, like the the. 150 right. steps that he goes down are like the literal Sacre Coeur Basilica. Like they found the, oh. the fanciest stairs in the world for Keanu Reeves to bust his ass on. All of them. He gets to the very top. He fights his way to the very top and gets knocked down all of the stairs. It's so <laughs> it's so over the top that it just goes. But it's like Tig pushing the terror on on her Conan set. It it's like that with him with the stairs where you're like it gets stupid and then it just gets fun again because he's just still falling downstairs. No, they use like Buster Keaton as a reference point. Like they were very explicitly like, on, this is classic, this comedy. is funny. And then um, I'd also like humble brag time, just had gone to Japan a few months before it came out during like peak cherry blossom season. And go. then there's a moment where he goes to Osaka and like that's the whole gimmick is that he's just like in Japan at a crazy assassin hotel where all the assassins are basically samurai. Um, yeah, I... I will say, uh, as a woman, I think Dana would find plenty to admire in the artistry of the John Wick franchise. I I I hope you're right. I just can feel her pulling her laptop out as we watch it. Like I can, like because that's always what happens with a movie I want to watch. It's like an hour. It's like you know, at at most an hour. Usually, it's about half an hour into it. The email comes out, and then I'm sitting there self-conscious about the fact that I picked a movie that has not held yeah, now you're 40 minutes into the program. It happened this year with Ferrari. I, cause we have all these screeners and I forget what movie we watched the night before. I, or I don't want to say it cause I assume nobody's going to be taking Ferrari in this draft. It was the one, the night before was a very Dana core movie. And then I was like, well, I've earned Ferrari for us. And it, then like we watched Ferrari and half an hour into it. Laptop. I'm like, oh. well, you know what? I never, and I, it's, pains me to say that I didn't notice these things for most of my life, but like a lot of movies will throw them in and Laura 45 minutes in or something, she'll be like there, there's been one woman who's said two words in this movie. And it's, it, I mean, that doesn't make them. It doesn't there's not happen. a lot of women in tombstone. Um, Ferrari has <laughs> but I, that's, two women. Excuse yeah. me. <laughs> it's, it's just, I'm like, Oh yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. I do understand how, if I well, want to sit and have a the John USS Wick night. Alabama, there's a, you know, you can't put a woman on a nuclear fast <laughs> submarine. <laughs> Dude, you know, so it Soviet. messes with the sonar. They can't yeah. do that. <laughs> I was on that sub in Portland and they told me they got to take one seven minute shower 
or no, 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 one sixty second shower a week. Yeah, those dudes on the submarine. That is fuck, dude. <laughs> it's not anyway. a stat that works for me. I got the Ferrari. Like, <laughs> I am. I was the the boyfriend in that in that uh, dynamic where I got to take Hunter with me to a screening, and I was like, Ooh. "Okay, okay, honey, time for date night. You get to come with me." <laughs> Did you guys like Ferrari? It was sick. It was. Yeah, um, I although I totally too. understand why the email comes out because, like, despite being a movie literally called Ferrari, like the cars don't go zoom until like an hour and a half into a two-hour movie. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the bomb didn't go boom in Oppenheimer until like two hours in, so I wanted the and bomb it's to all, go boom And then it's quicker. congressional hearing time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bob Skinny Downey. Downey? Old, old emaciated Downey? What are we doing? Anyway, Adam John Wick 4. Adam Driver is tall for the entire Ferrari movie, though. Big, big. He's a big guy. Big guy. John Wick 4. John Wick 4. Fun, action-packed, and it was, I know we've been back at the movies for a while, but it was one of those where it's like, this is great. A well, you haven't. You're popcorn. a father. So I, dude, I, I do not. So you're we went the, the other day, down. and I we went yesterday, and I was just like, God, this is great. Everyone was like, it's a movie. I'm like, yeah, but isn't this fun? Like, I got like five different remix sodas. I, I got wow. strawberry cream bark soda, like strawberry cream soda barks. I was, yeah. There nachos. were definitely a lot of opportunities to get up and leave the theater in the movie you saw yesterday. <laughs> that might come up. I doubt it. All I got is shit talk for that movie. I It was fine perfect way to say it but you have to you can't text it because somebody has to hear you say it was fine it was that's fine. how you have to say it because a text anyway we're talking we're, about we're, i don't think it's gonna come up and i don't think it's well, gonna come it, up i don't either but you know I'll, I'll put a pin in it i'll put a pin in it we'll right, talk shit so if yeah, nobody grabs it uh time for my second pick i am going to take oh man there's a lot here let me see who's yeah there is i know there's such a big list huh yeah, my list is crazy. It's, it's <laughs> dude. I can't even. I had to get another phone to put my list on it. I guess I got to go back to back TV just because Shit. of where I am in this thing, and I have to take uh, the second Shit. season of The Bear. Mm. Also, which don't watch it, out. man. Which I also really, really liked. I thought I don't. It was there was some. They expanded the universe a little bit. We spent time with. We spent. It felt like we spent like pretty scant time with with Carmi actually. And a lot more time with Evan Moss Bacharach, which I thought I'm Carmi, the other Carmi, (laughs) Jeremy Allen White. All right. The the less hunky Carmi. There we go. Yeah. With the with with worse biceps, even after his role in the Iron Claw. I mean, if anyone from the Bear casting department is listening, I feel like a Chicago accent would not be a huge stretch for like a dude with a mustache as prodigious as your own. You know, put me in. I would do. I think I would do a great job in the bear if they want to throw me in there. You know, doing any any sort of job, I there could. I could be like one of the guys who delivers meat. I could be another one of you know Maddie Matheson's you know cousins or something like that. You know, I could even be coming down from the North Shore. I could be some kind of North Shore, you know, representing the synagogue up there. Uh, you know, I came down from Highland Park to get a brisket. Would you mind making me a brisket for this bar mitzvah? I'll do anything you want. I can. What do, do you kind mean of you don't have my reservation? I was in. I'm in the bear. Yeah, the bear. I'm in it. I'll play myself being upset that my reservation got lost at the bear. <laughs> I'll, be like, fine, I'll go to the do. sandwich window. Give me a sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> fine. I'll sit out. I'll sit out in the fucking 13 degree weather and eat it. Um, <laughs> I just loved it. I thought the, I thought the forks episode was amazing. Just an amazing standalone piece of television. The feast of the seven fishes was like some of the most stressed out I've been, which I know doesn't sound like a, 
advertisement for a show, but I thought like I just felt, but but then it like delivered on it and it was like emotional. Oliver Platt getting I what was it the frozen banana like at the end of the oh, like that made me cry like it just did it just did a great job I really really enjoyed watching it. Is um, a is a frozen banana a, a pretty good treat? No, I don't think so. No. Okay. Well, famously, you know to. To cite another masterpiece of television on Arrested Development, it's like the the national dish of Newport Beach, California, which is probably yeah. as damning an <laughs> indictment as you can get of, of a culinary uh, innovation. I thought it was like a big thing at Disneyland. For it a is while a big thing at Disneyland. But the chocolate flakes off too fast. The banana's always way too frozen. So you uh-huh. lose the chocolate aspect of it. The banana like hurts. Like a lightly frozen banana dipped in chocolate might be good. But not the stuff you're getting at any. If you make your own, I, I could. I could feel see like it. I'd rather have it not frozen at all. Yeah, I'm with you. Just, Just dip like it a, in chocolate. Yeah, like a, well, like a banana Nutella crepe. That's like right, there's no right, need right, to right. you know reinvent the wheel here. Yeah, you want to? You uh, know what? I got to tell you something that I've never seen Arrested Development. Brutal honesty time. Bro. Isn't that stupid? I think you'd like it. Yeah. I would love it. I'm sure. I've seen an episode or two. I just, I There's never so watched much, it. There's so many word jokes that are so good. <laughs> yeah, that just, You're I just think gonna about watch that sometimes. It and be like, like, what an idiot. Oh, I understand like all of television for the last 20 years. Like that's, yeah. a, that's where that yeah, came that from. Yeah, that too. <laughs> sure. Um, but yeah, the bear what did you is think? like, okay, I, I think I should just get this out of the way. I'm definitely in probably like the bottom quartile of like bear enthusiasts among my colleagues in the TV criticism profession. That said, that was a fun sentence. You can tell. Sounded nice. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, like even, you know, you can take this more seriously coming from a noted bear skeptic. I thought the season was like a massive improvement. Like the yeah. fact that they, I mean, like it's explicitly about like they literally lock Carmi in a freezer for the entire finale. It's like, yeah. this is about making the show beyond this one guy. I One of my criticisms of the first season was it really felt like they kind of took like a, a play or a movie and kind of stretched it into a season of TV. And this one was like, no, this is this is a season of TV. There are like episodes about specific characters that go to new yeah. places. Um, my kind of sleeper favorite was the episode in Copenhagen with uh, Marcus oh. where, yeah, where he goes to like beautiful. fake Noma. Um, yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, I thought like, you know, as someone who like is very invested in both food and TV. I think I can be like kind of, you know, skeptical of something that's like in my perceived wheelhouse. But I thought the season definitely like amazing cameo. It was really cool to watch them be like, oh, like we're a really like big deal show. So we can like call the right favors now. Like we can call Olivia Coleman is here for like five minutes. Yeah, you know, or like, we can be like, hey, literally any restaurant in Chicago, will you let our film crew come in and we can also like kind of reciprocate some of this and like give good publicity to like Next or Lao Pingo or like all these other restaurants that they shot in. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, like it was such a great opportunity for all the supporting members of the cast. Like I thought this is a great Iowa Debris season. Uh, yeah, like I think it was just objectively better. I think I still have to, you know, give a little voice to the hater in my heart and say I thought the Manic Pixie Dream Girl character was like below their oh, writing Claire. abilities. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, but that said, again, like amazing, amazing season of television. Hell yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen the bear. Yeah, I, 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 you I haven't seen it. it? Oh, no. I, I haven't seen I started I watching it. 
the first two se- the first two episodes of the first season, I just couldn't dig in, and I was like, I. Uh, it is just, a. Sorry, go ahead, Allison. Oh, I was gonna say, if you want to watch the bear, just bang on a few pots in your kitchen and have someone yell at you really loudly. That's what it you'll felt get like. The I don't, when you said the word stressful, <laughs> that's married, how that show know? made me feel. I was like, I don't want to watch this for fun. It is stressful. There's some stressful stuff. It's also a really, really beautiful show, and they say this directly about like the thing you love not making you happy. You know, like your like your passion, the mm-hmm. thing you pursue, which just as like a you know as stand up comedians, I think as anyone doing Brother, it, it, it can, <laughs> boy, when it gets in Brother, there, it gets in there. Then I really don't want to watch that yeah. for entertainment. <laughs> I need to escape. I had Let a, me out. So, Ian and I did stand up the other night, and after I got home, I was like, man, I did bad. I <laughs> I was you bombed. And we I did had together. A, yeah, we both like, did bad. You guys bombed? Like, Darn it! No, I, no, no. It just wasn't. I. I was, I just, I got home and I was like, Motherfucker. and then it ate at me until last night, which last night was probably one of the best shows I've ever been on. It was so good. So, but it'll, yeah. Cause you're like, I, it's all I want to do. And I love doing it. But when it sucks, it is the worst. And it makes you feel bad about yourself. It was also one of the, the only thing I wanted to do when I wasn't identifying a lot of other things I wanted to do in my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, true. <laughs> yeah. Well, like every Absolutely. piece of media that's like about any creative thing, like works as a metaphor for any other creative thing. Um, yeah. Uh-huh. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Yeah. It's you like see- how, fan- <laughs> again, to go back to Phantom Thread, like when that came out, everyone was like, oh, it's like about a fashion designer, but it's really about making movies. And you're like, well, right. everything's about making movies <laughs> if you watch it through that yeah. lens. <laughs> Every story is always and will always be about me, ultimately. Yeah, every person who works for a like a, a gossip magazine in a rom-com is a stand-in for a screenwriter. It's all, or, or, like, or a journalist, you know, whatever it is. They're all like, what's, a, what's, not a, what's, a, what's not a screenwriter, but they're a screenwriter? An architect? Okay, great. That's, that's what it'll be. And they, like, they got their own gossip column. They're like, as soon as you, what is it? And how to lose a guy in 10 days? As soon as you turn into a must-read, you can write about whatever you want. You're like, not in this magazine. She can't. She's always going to have to write about this. It's never yeah. going to be. Yeah, it's definitely. Um, I just really loved it. I thought like, also, like you said, that Claire, the Claire Carmi thing was like the least interesting part of it, which just speaks to like the strength of this cast and how rich these other characters ended up being. Like the, what, what's Evan Moss Bacharach's character? Richie? Or what? Richie. Richie, yeah. It, yeah. Well, it's, it does this thing like, Basically, like in the first season, I also really chafed at how they treated the sister character, Natalie, played by Abby Elliott. And like in this season, she works with them. And all of a sudden you're like, oh my God, like she has this incredible, like rich plot line. And I think basically what happens with the Claire character to like cut them a little slack is like when you have a character who doesn't work in the restaurant, like the whole show is about how none of these people can have lives or relationships outside their workplace. So like when you introduce someone who is outside the workplace, they end up seeming peripheral because, like, the character can't incorporate them into their lives. And, like, that's that's hard. It's, like, hard to draw a line between, like, commenting on something and, like, recreating the thing you're commenting on. Um, but it stood out to me because the rest of the season was, like, such a noted step up and a real, like... It's really cool to watch them be like, okay, now we have all these resources and we have this blank check and we're actually mm-hmm. going to, like use that to push ourselves more. And then in season three, Claire's brother shows up to work at the restaurant. Okay. Oh, no. <laughs> it's like, what if we he, serve fancy Chicago hot dogs? That's what the bear do- needs. 
<laughs> we are putting ketchup on these hot dogs, okay? Because I had an emotional experience in a New York hot dog stand. And then we're going to send Richie there to echo that exact same experience. And that's how we become the first hot dog place in the greater Chicagoland area that puts ketchup on hot dogs. Season three, the bear. <laughs> Season three, the bear. Season the three, bear. the bear. It's about how Brian Urlacher had a lasagna once <laughs> that inspired him to have a 15-tackle game in the playoffs. <laughs> I bet Brian Urlacher was crushing lasagnas. I, I want yeah. them to cast Party Scottie, job, dude. I hope they can I want them to cast Scotty Pippen, not as Scotty Pippen. In season I think that he maybe needs to go away for a while. <laughs> Boy, I'd be happy. I think maybe he's gotta go figure some I stuff was. out. Or what he rebrands. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. He's an actor now. He has his own did, thing. He doesn't need Larsa. Did Michael is Michael Jordan behind? What's going on? Like, does he support I it? don't think so. You don't think you so? Know, okay, so? Allison, do you know about this? This is some weird entertainment slash... It's like Bravo slash basketball beef. It's crazy. Well, I know the names crazy. you're saying, and I know that Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen are former teammates, and I know that Michael Jordan, the star of... And I took that personally meme. That's is, right. Takes things personally and has <laughs> grudges. So I can, like, trace the contours, but the details are escaping me. I don't know if you were going to draft this, David, but we can make it I wasn't going to take it. I wasn't, wasn't going to. It's not even on my Let's do a quick little update. So, I mean, David, do you want to... <laughs> Michael Jordan's son is with is getting married to Larsa Pippen? To Scottie oh, wait, Pippen's I didn't know about this. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. And he's, what, 30 years younger? She babysat him, apparently. Oh, not 30 then. Maybe 20 years. Whatever. Not 30, it's, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. a lot. I don't know, man. It's a weird scene over there. But I don't Scotty's really... got to be just having a rough go of it. That would be... I just can't... I can't even... I don't even know how to... Well, what if this brings them closer together? Like, I feel like if... Michael, Scotty I feel and like Michael Jordan and Scotty... Well, yeah, oh. Michael Jordan and Scotty Pippen. I feel like they both have to be like, this sucks. <laughs> and maybe that... They got to be at the wedding, the right? I was thinking he's such a narcissist that he'd be like, so deep down proud of it. Like, yeah, my kids out there, like, whatever, still dominating stuff. Cucking uh, Scotty Pippen. Cucking, yeah. yeah. But, <sighs> but he's not. So you're saying, like, Michael's probably not stoked about it. He's probably like this. She's four. I mean, age difference is whatever. She's 49. Marcus Jordan is 33. So this is oh, a 16-year-old so yeah, age difference. Uh, that doesn't, but, I don't care about that, honestly. It seems like Michael, like oh, the, the tea leaves are that Michael Jordan's acceptance of all this is sort of begrudging. That he's like, well, Marcus is going to do what Marcus is going to do, and I love my son. Oh, that'd be so tough. <laughs> just anyway, gnarly. that's not what we're talking about. It's just such a crazy scenario that. <laughs> anyway. Which leads me right into my second pick. <laughs> uh, obviously inspired off the heels of this Larson Pippen. No, I, I'm taking bottoms. Oh, ah, I love staying it was, in the AO lane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I love her, which is initially why I even saw it. Just, you know, you go see every movie you've, somebody you know is in. Right. Yeah. But it was just like I it was so fun. And the tone of it was so silly and all over the place. I don't know the last time I saw like a teen comedy movie that I gave any kind of a fuck about at all. You know what it's I mean? The dynamics were so fun. Marshall Lynch is in a lot of runs. Yeah, come on. Marshall Lynch is in it. Like, it was just like, it was a, and it, it made me laugh. I don't really see a lot of comedy movies that make me laugh in ever anymore, you know? Yeah. 
I haven't seen this yet. Is Rachel Sennett playing a Jew in this as well, or is that a one-shot deal for <laughs> I her? I was going to bring up Shiva Baby. I think she's always <laughs> playing a Jew. Like, that's just an ambient part of all her characters. <laughs> you didn't see it? I haven't seen this yet. No, oh, I don't know. Man. I, I, I don't and know sometimes you just want to watch high schoolers trying to get laid. No. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you do, though. I mean, that's true. It is, it is, it is like a fun, it's a fun premise in general. And I think they did a good job at not being too heavy handed on a lot of stuff that they could have really leaned in on. And it's just, uh, yeah, I thought it was fun. I thought it was so silly, the tone of it. I don't think there's a lot of comedy movies that feel that silly anymore. And uh, yeah, Bottoms. I really liked it. Go yeah, it's it. fun watching. Like Did being you see an adult. It? Did anybody? Else, am I the only one who saw it? I haven't seen. I it. saw it, Did but I like- know the vibe. But like you're saying, like <laughs> being an adult and watching like uh, a movie about teenagers or whatever, it's fun because it's low stakes. Now that you're grown. Well, sometimes uh, I get kind of irritated by it, to be honest, because it was a movie that I went because of IO. Like I, I, I was yeah. like. You know what I mean? Like, sometimes I get, like, annoyed where it's like, who the fuck cares about high school? Like, you know what I mean? I'm not trying to watch, like, a high school drama or anything like that. But, uh, yeah, I had a lot of fun watching it. I am. Like, the movie itself does not care about high school. Like, the movie itself no, no, is no, like, no, no, this is dumb all. and silly and, like, we're not trying to make a big statement about anything, which, like, I know a lot of my friends who are queer were like, it's really nice to have a high school movie about gay kids that's not, like, about them coming out or anything. It's oh, about right. them being, like, horny little are. weirdos. Yeah. Like, yes. <laughs> They're gay, but then there's the movie. Yeah, yeah, like, it's... And Marshawn Lynch is really funny in it. I hope he does more stuff like that. Uh, Punky Johnson is in it for, like, a scene and, yeah. like, really does a great <laughs> yeah. job. Fuck, he kills it, too! Marshawn oh, Lynch man. is a teacher, right? Yeah. Yeah. He, he's like, he's like, they're, uh, he, he's like the teacher they go to to run the club or whatever. It's, yeah. uh, he's yeah. funny, right? Like, he's legit funny. Just, in every, like, yeah. He's dude. just a funny dude, right? He's, yeah. I think he, gem. like, maybe, like, pound for, cause, like, Rachel and I are obviously funny, but they also have to be, like, protagonists of the movie and have a story. Right. And Marshawn gets to just, like, show up and be funny. And, like, that's he, the most fun. Yeah. He's just Marshawn in the whole time. He's great. He's, yeah. it's, it's just like, uh, it's like, it was probably the most I laughed at a movie this year, actually. So take that. Yeah, I thought it was so What's fun. It? That seems like something I could definitely, that's one that You'd I like could watch bottoms, when everyone's in bed, a little low volume and pay attention to. Like, but I wouldn't get lost. <laughs> you wouldn't get lost at all. And it's so silly. <laughs> Put, your like phone, goofy. Put your phone away. I Have do. you thought I'm, about that? I'm working on it. It's, I, I am. It's, it's <laughs> tough, man. It is tough. I mean, I, I do though. Go put it in the fridge. Dude. I mean, that's the nice thing about going to the movies, right? I just turn it off. And- yeah, for sure. I don't. I sit in the back room. It's sad. I sit back there so I can still check it if I need to. Like You're the guy who's videos? like recording, recording the whole thing on your phone so you can <laughs> post clips saw, to Instagram stories. <laughs> I saw some kids. Uh, oh, I whatever. We were at, we oh was it Five Nights at Freddy's? Certainly nobody was going to bring that up. But they were recorded no, the whole thing in sections on their phones, and I was like, yeah. "What are you?" They were probably 15 or something. I was like, well, you're going to watch it. I would <laughs> become the lame adult and go get somebody. If people were like re- repeatedly filming during a movie and I could see it. And it was like, I did that my when, I saw, when I saw it part one at the Vista and like, I had to be the grandma. I did wait for the whole movie, but I did the like really like condescending adult thing where I was like, just so you know, it's really distracting when you do that. And like everyone around you can see your phone. I also did do that for Oppenheimer. I straight up like yeah. lunge over and was like, put your fucking phone away. I do not yes. want to see a phone. 
You were at like opening day of Oppenheimer. Why the fuck was somebody's phone? And and the other one was at the Vista. People shouldn't have their phones. That's like as small. That's not like. Well, the, the Oppenheimer guy had his phone in a cup rest, so he couldn't see it. But every time he got a notification, like the light flash, and he, it was just away from him. And I was like, dude, Awful. that's not putting your phone away. Put your phone away. <laughs> I uh, yesterday I got some Slurpee. Somehow a bunch of Slurpee got flicked at me, and I stood up. Like the you most had your phone upset, out, dude. <laughs> I didn't. I stood up like the most upset dad you've ever seen, and I looked. I was breathing all heavy, and I looked at the whole back of the theater. It was all children and like proper adults. So I'm like, all right. So nobody did that on purpose, but I was yeah. ready to find some teenagers and go up there and just be like, "You want to do it again? You want to do it? On my, you want to do it right now to my face? You're ready to be stern. <laughs> Such a loser. <laughs> Got to do it. I mean, it depends on what movie you're at. I don't know. I needed to distract myself from the Your movie, that might mediocrity. have just been part of the 4D experience of that movie. <laughs> Getting slippery <laughs> flicked at you. Uh, Allison, time for your second and third picks. Okay. Um, I'm going to go for, you know, after a lighthearted high school comedy, I'm going to go for, for a real downer <laughs> and pick uh, Killers of the Flower Moon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a three and a half hour odyssey about genocide and the American sickness of white supremacy from our greatest 81-year-old master, Martin Scorsese. And goggles. Um, and goggles. Yeah. Uh, I loved this movie. I It is three and a half hours. I did not break for the bathroom the entire time. Uh, I was locked in. I had read the book and I knew that the movie was very different. Um, and I thought it made like really smart, interesting changes. So for those who don't know, it's about a series of murders that happened in the 1920s of um, Osage Indians who had oil rights and became like super wealthy. But of course, they were still living in America. So they were very like enmeshed in a white supremacist society. Where where is it? Oklahoma. And it is on land that is currently owned by the family of the pioneer woman, Reed Drummond. Oh! Which is one of the craziest facts about that movie. Weird. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, so uh, the book is kind of about, like, the investigation into who's doing it and, like, the fact that, like, it plays into the early FBI because, like federal law enforcement had to come in and solve the murders because the people in Oklahoma were basically doing them, so they weren't going to help solve them. Um, And the book or the movie is basically like, the FBI doesn't show up until the last hour. They don't actually like really solve anything long-term. And it's mostly about Leonardo DiCaprio playing the most stupid, worthless piece of shit you've ever seen in your entire (laughs) life. So good at and, it. I bet uh, he's great at it. Yeah. He's really <laughs> good he at it. it. <laughs> he also has like the he like keeps his mouth in a permanent frown the entire yeah. time. And I'm like, that seems physically painful. Like he's like like a bulldog. Um and he his relation his character's relationship with um Lily Gladstone's character, and Lily Gladstone is just like amazing in it and it's a performance where like she's supposed to be like quiet and still the whole time and she just like does so much and it's um and robert de niro plays satan so it basically uh and like it's he got like 200 million dollars from apple to do this so it also just looks amazing like you see this old western town that he recreates in its entirety and it's just a very sad but like 
gripping movie. Um, and I'm so happy that Martin Scorsese is getting to do this and can be like, I'm 81. Like, you're not going to fucking tell me what to do. I will make a three and a half hour movie. And yeah. um, it it just works so well for me. And like, I won't spoil the ending for anyone who hasn't seen it, but like the very final scene and the cameo in the final scene is just like one of the most effective ways to end the movie that like tells you what the movie is about. Um in a way that kind of reminded me of like the yeah. Wolf of Wall Street, how it ends with him like having the pen to the crowd, and you're like, oh, this is about how we're all idiots. Um, <laughs> yeah, like the ending of Killers of the Flower Moon really like brings it home, and you like leave the theater thinking about stuff. <laughs> so that was my that's my pick. In a weird way, the end of the movie is like I get I, without again without spoiling. Is it like how is, Boogie Nights ends? Just to kind of put it in perspective. Well, no. It's like, just, it's a little bit, it's a little bit Martin Scorsese eight-miling himself in a way. Like, it, where he's like, I know that, like, what the criticisms that are going to be coming, and they're all valid, but let me go ahead and, like, address them right now. Like, it is me, it is this, like, white Italian dude telling this story about American Indian genocide and, like, the limitations of that. So, like, when the whole thing ends and it's just these, like, you know, four... It, I guess I'm going to kind of spoil it here, but not spoil it. It's just like, you know, four white dudes doing a radio play like on the stage where it's like, yeah, that's who told this story. And we're aware of the limitations of that. And the main white dude is Martin Scorsese, like himself. He like walks out and like delivers the obituary, but you're like, this is not, you know, it's basically about how like the story gets repackaged into like cheap little radio entertainment when it was about people dying. And like, I do think there are all these criticisms in the movie that I think make sense. Um, And the fact that he chose to make it about the people who like perpetrated the genocide. But it also means it's this like very powerful movie about like the cognitive dissonance of racism and how like Leonardo DiCaprio's character is again, like so stupid and so blind and unthinking that he like, does genuinely love his wife and children and also has no problem turning around and like literally murdering his wife's family um, and poisoning her. And just, um, it just like really like sat with me and made me feel things and like lived up to the fact that like all of Martin Scorsese's late career movies are these like very depressing riffs on like you know, like in the way that, like, if you hold the Irishman up against Goodfellas, and you're like, "Oh man, this is a real downer compared to what yeah. he used to be doing." <laughs> Nothing funny in this. Yeah, and Killers of the Flower Moon is like, I'm going to make a western, but I'm going to make a western that's going to make you feel bad, yeah. <laughs> and it's great. Just so everybody knows, not even for a second did I think it actually would end like Boogie Nights, where Mark Wahlberg pulls his. Nobody's penis worried out. about that. You brushed over that. You're like, well, no, not really. And I'm like, I, I know not really. I, I just, I can't have anyone thinking it's that weird I was like, so Mark like Wahlberg, Boogie Nights. Martin Scorsese standing on stage doing a radio play. Mark Wahlberg walks out and pulls his penis out. Yeah. And then the penis talks into the microphone. Does he have that extra six inches of purple on there that he had in Boogie Nights? That's right. Like, yeah, yeah. It's the very on? penis from Boogie Nights. Martin Scorsese is wearing the, the fake penis. So, yeah, that'd be great. Well, at one point, Robert De Niro does spank Leonardo DiCaprio, which in a way feels, you know, yeah. somewhat pornographic a la Boogie Nights. Yeah, that could get you there. There's the Gladstone sisters in this. The one, like the, the, I forget her name right now, the actor, but she's like the drunk party sister who gets, you know, ice is so good too. Like the supporting roles in this are so amazing. Jesse Plemons, your boy Jesse Plemons comes in. That dude does not miss. 
He no. always gets it done. In game night, every he can be so funny. He just he always delivers. Always. He's never had a, a stinker. He shows up like two and a half hours into the movie, and you're yeah. like, Jesse Plemons is here now. Hell yeah. <laughs> it's like the chef has sent this out from the kitchen in between dinner and dessert. And you're like, oh, thank you. I feel like everybody pretty much like, yeah, Jesse Plemons, man. They're, anyway. Does that make Brendan Fraser the yeah. news boosh? <laughs> <laughs> I think it is. Brendan Fraser, have you guys seen it? No. Fell asleep. Brendan Fraser, oh. you fell asleep during it? I watched a lot of movies at bad times this yeah, year. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Brendan Fraser is in this movie. I liked him, but like a cartoon. But that's how lawyers acted. Is yeah, he's playing him? a show about lawyer, but it's also crazy yeah. because there's so many people in this movie. Jason Isbell, like the country star, is in it and does a great Sturgill job. But like, yeah. But there's so many people in this movie that like you're again like two two and a half hours in, and like Brendan Fraser and John Lithgow show up at the same time, and you're like, I didn't even know these people were in this movie, and Brendan yeah. Fraser just won an Oscar. <laughs> a little bit like Oppenheimer, where you're just like more dudes. Oh, you got all the dudes <laughs> between those two movies. All the dudes were in it. There's Every also dude? a dude in Killers of the Flower Moon whose actual, honest to god, real life name is Lewis Cancel Me. <laughs> and <Yeah. laughs> and he gives one of the best performances in the movie. <laughs> Which one is he? He's the guy who does the crazy dance at one point, and then he talks to the lawyer and is like, I want to adopt these kids. And then the lawyer's like, it sounds a lot to me like you're going to try to adopt and murder these children. <laughs> and it's like a great, <laughs> does not sound like it, but I promise it is a great laugh line in the context that's of right. the movie. But that's yeah. kind of the vibe of like, you're going to laugh at child murder at one point. Uh. Been An amazing there. pick. Just what a what a movie. Martin Scorsese. May we all be that age accomplishing that kind of stuff artistically. You know, on our level, though. Which is yeah, that'd be, a don't tell comedy set. Uh, <laughs> we're going to get to your third pick. But first, we're going to take a very short break. This episode of All Fantasy Everything is brought to you by Wondery. The early 2000s was a breeding ground for bad reality competition series from shows like Kid Nation, CBS is weird, like Lord of the Flies style social experiment that took 40 kids to live by themselves in a ghost town. Sounds insane. Uh, to The Swan, a horrifying concept where women spent months undergoing a physical transformation and then were made to compete in a beauty pageant. Also sounds insane. On each episode of Wondry's podcast, The Big Flop, comedians join host Misha Brown to chronicle one of the biggest pop culture fails of all time and try to answer the age-old question, who thought this was a good idea? Recently, The Big Flop looked at The Swan, a competition show between women who were hoping to transform their physical appearance. The problem, the women were isolated for weeks, berated, operated on, and then were ranked by a panel of judges. Unsurprisingly, it led to trauma for the contestants and terrible reviews. Follow The Big Flop on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free by joining Wondery+. Plus. This episode of All Fantasy Everything is brought to you by Policy Genius. Get life insurance. If you're out there, if you're driving right now, just look around for a minute. Anybody out there could be the reason that you need life insurance. Hate to be morbid, but that's just where we're at. Everything is unpredictable, and a good life insurance plan gives your family just a financial safety net to protect against some of the unknowns of which there are millions. You have no idea what's going on, what's going on in these people's minds. Get life insurance. Policy Genius is absolutely the country's leading online insurance marketplace. 
makes choosing the right policy for your family quick, extremely easy. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options are 100% online and let you avoid unnecessary medical exams. What they do is they just kind of, they go through and they find the easiest option for you. They, they, they wean out all the ones that you're not going to benefit from. And, you know, they just find what makes sense for you. If you don't have life insurance, it's probably not something that you've thought about too much or whatever. Maybe you don't like thinking about it, but it is definitely something that you need. And once it is in place, you're going to sleep better. Trust me. I never thought about it. My wife runs the whole situation and life insurance is no different. And as soon as we got it, it seriously was just a load off. I didn't even know. I didn't even know I was worried about it until I found out that we had it. And it's just such a fantastic thing. There's no reason not to do it. They work for you. Policy Genius, they just help you compare your options from all the top insurers just a few clicks away. Uh, they have award winning agents that can walk you through the process step by step because I'm sure you don't know anything about it because who does? And they work with the companies to find what works best for you. You know what I mean? Like they want it to work for you. They're not just trying to gouge you. They have no incentive to recommend one insurer over another. So you can trust their guidance. It's not like they're getting bonuses to get you one way or the other. Uh, They have thousands of five-star reviews on Google and Trustpilot from customers who found the best fit for their needs. So go get on it. Get peace of mind by finding the right life insurance with Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. Welcome back to All Fantasy, Everything Already in Progress. This episode, of course, is brought to you by the good folks over at The Bear, uh, where you can catch a, a, a live podcast taping of a fictionalized version of All Fantasy Everything in Season 3, Episode 4 of The Bear. Cast us in it, why not? We, we, we can all do Chicago accents. Sean, David? Here's a, here's a legitimate question beef. for you now. Well, right, David, now. go again. Oh, no, that was all I had, beef. What's what's the accent you think you could get by with in what am I trying to say? What's your most uh, you believable like accent people? where you're like, where do you think you could actually get it done? Like, I can't say. Man, Midwest. I don't think I got one, bro. <laughs> well, I feel honest, like Ian, I, you I, worked I, for a British person for like a decade. Like you, you have to have they absorbed. Can, they can tell, though. You'd think. They can <laughs> tell. <laughs> Southern can tell. I mean, I like to say. I I just it sounds crazy. I naturally just have kind of like a a little bit of a New York Jew lilt that I feel like I could turn up. Yeah. And pull I get people. That. Uh whatever it was, Bernie. it'd have to be soft. The Barney, the Barney, yeah, the Bar- the Barney accent. If I just talk, if I just talk like my dad, then like maybe I could, you know, there's there, like there's a little bit of an accent there that I could get away with. I do think my Chicago accent is pretty okay, but I'm just trying to picture you walking into like kind of a grimy bar where everybody really does talk like that yeah. and uh, trying to get by and having, you know, like we'd even give you some knowledge about like some neighborhoods or whatever. So you could like, it wouldn't be the knowledge that would, that would spoil it. It would be like, just what accent, accent do you think you can get by with? I don't think I got one. I was going to say you're Minnesota. Yeah. That doesn't count though. I mean, I'm that's Sioux Falls. It's the same thing. Yeah. That Nordic, that Nordic disgusting dribble it all sounds the same so have you seen the new season of fargo and do you have thoughts on their ability to do the accent perfect i think it's all people don't believe that that's how thick it is it is how thick it is that is what they sound like the movie the show you can't do it too much 
There's there's no joke. You can't. Yeah. There are people, no matter no matter how much you do it, and you think, oh my god, nobody does it like there is someone who does it like that for yeah. sure. I've heard people talk like that. Absolutely, I think drunk, Johnny Ham, a drunk Minneapolis, somebody from a drunk like Northern me. Midwestern. You, yeah, yeah. Sean me, get it. Sean enough. Get it. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh my god, but I can hear it when I'm doing it. Yeah. Uh, no, I yeah, I think they're all doing great. Also, John Hamm with his nipples pierced. It's such a hilarious touch. I whatever. Anyway, uh, it's Allison, it's time. Allison, it's time for your third pick here, hon. <laughs> all right, I'm not going to embarrass myself by doing any accent, but I'm not a, I'm not positive. a San Diego, not a San Diego accent. You want to drop a Brom accent? No, nah, yeah. <laughs> no, bra. <laughs> um, no, I was going to pick something that I am absolutely positive is on none of your lists, but I think it must be represented, which is the Scandaval, uh, the great implosion of Vanderpump Rules of 2023. Um, Lay it on me. Yeah. I did see it when I was researching. I've I heard the word and I don't know what it means. Oh, so like I'm fully just giving a 101 seminar. I should have yeah. brought a PowerPoint. I should have screen shared for all of you. You got it. So for those who don't know, Vanderpump Rules is a reality show that is like ostensibly about the waitstaff at a restaurant owned by Lisa Vanderpump or like a series of restaurants, including like SOAR, which stands for Sexy Unique Restaurant. Um, of course. But they have the same cast. So, of course, like what happens is they become famous on TV and they're mostly like influencers with like huge houses in the valley where they like started the with like shitty apartments in West Hollywood. Because or of the show, they're they're now rich or they yeah, were rich? Because of the show or like not like rich, 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 but they're much richer than like a cast of waiters should be. But they all still have to kind of like work at the restaurants sporadically. So people like go to the restaurants to look at them like zoo animals. Weird situation. And Very Lisa weird. Vanderpump was a sitting U.S. Congresswoman? Uh, close. She was a real housewife of Beverly Hills, which is right, right, essentially right, right, right. the same thing. Um, <laughs> but she, so basically, like naturally, what happens is the show kind of becomes like more boring with time because they're you know just rich people who were on TV and kind of performing drama for TV, but they're no longer like actual coworkers who were like fighting over tips or whatever. Yeah. Um, and on this show, there was a long-standing couple, like one of the few like stable long-term relationships between a guy named Tom Sandoval and a woman named Ariana. And basically it just came out like after they were already done filming the most recent season that in real life, Tom Sandoval was having an affair with a cast member named Raquel uh, Levis. You dirty dog. Yes, which is why it's called The Scandaval, because Tom Sandoval is the main character in The Scandaval. Love it. But this just blew (laughs) up because it was like, how rarely does this happen where like a reality TV show that by definition, all the drama seems kind of scripted and fake. And like, sometimes that's kind of fun, but it never really feels like there's like real stakes. And all of a sudden something happened that was like completely real, completely unbeknownst to the camera crew actually like oh they hid it from everybody yeah like no they had to start filming again because they were like oh shit we have to like capture this but like this has no one actually something. knew and it means like it it like ripped through that fourth wall where it became like real life drama and it's like both in reality what a reality general, show should be yeah. Right. Yeah, because like, usually by season four of a reality show, it's like I got a peppercorn stuck in my bridge work, and that's a three episode arc. 
And this yeah. was season 13. So yeah. like, oh. yeah. Thir- this was like late, 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 late era. Like everyone was kind of bored. It had not been at the peak of its powers in a very long time. And to just watch something that like felt so real, like Ariana confronting Tom and calling him a narcissist and being like, you know, they found out they, like, she found out that they had sex in her bed, like, right after she lost a relative and her dog died. And, like, yeah, oh, he's a total shithead. But, like, it just felt like actual human drama that you never get to see because everything is so carefully calibrated before and, like, massaged by producers. And poor woman. That sucks. I mean, so she's getting bad. a lot of SpawnCon deals out of it, but yes, she is, and, <laughs> and she is now rid of her shithead cheating partner. I so guess I, if you got to get something she... out of Tom being such a dirty dog, you might as well. Yellowtail Zinfandel shot... dropped eight million dollars on her, something like that. I'm sure. <laughs> when they shot the reunion, which is like part of the ritual of Broadway shows, one cast member had taken out a restraining order against another, the one who'd had the affair with Tom, and so she had to film the reunion from her trailer. Ian has like the most gobsmacked <laughs> expression. And this is like what this is what we all looked like for months. And like I'm not a huge Vanderpump person, but just watching this explode and unfurl in real life was just like uh to quote my boss, this is my Watergate. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Like that, that makes a lot of sense why everyone was so into that. This sure. concludes Allison's seminar in reality television like for straight men. <laughs> but I mean that like it's what when reality TV very first started, it was real, you know, like with the real world, the first season or two, it was like, that was real. I don't think any of that was scripted. And then all of a sudden it's like all of it is scripted pretty much now. Like they do shots, they redo reactions and all that. So to get like some actual reality in a basically scripted reality show is crazy. Well, and they're aware of how these storylines play out. Like people on reality shows, like, I guess they're like sure. aware of, of narratives and how things are going to play out, you know? So they even script themselves as far as like how they act on those things. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. And uh, you, you see like, first? go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say in the latest season of Real Housewives, there's like a little bit of drama where someone is like, oh, well, I didn't know there was going to be camera crews when I came over. And so like she was upset that she was like blindsided by camera crews. And you get these like little glimpses where it's like, yes, these people are very aware that they are performers. And sometimes that can kind of be fun. Like Selling Sunset is so fake that it's like kind of funny and absurd. (laughs) But again, just like getting that little glimpse of like, oh, this is what reality TV felt like in like 2005. And now it's and now we're back. We have a we have a channel that just plays the challenge, and I watch it a lot. On cable, there's a challenge channel. We have two, whatever that Pluto or something. We have all those channels. Oh, but okay, okay. There's okay. one that just plays the challenge, and and it's it's all real because there's nothing for them. There's no storyline. It's just they they get hammered and compete in these contests or whatever. So all it is is them getting drunk and making just being bad roommates. And that where you're like, okay, this is reality. There's no storyline. There's no narrative. Nothing. They're just they're just like get hammered, be hot do these things and uh it's it's always got real. a tattoo on my lower back dude get hammered be hot <laughs> get hammered be hot kind of like baddies of the east if you guys are involved in the zeus world how much and this goes to all three of you isaac and all four of you how much would it cost for you to get get hammered be hot tattooed somewhere visible on your body arm you know not just i don't not even a, know how to less than a lot of other tattoos <laughs> Yeah, it's like, what are we starting with? Because I yeah. I have no tattoos, so this would yeah, be five hundred grand. It's got to be yeah. on your forearm. For five hundred yeah. grand, I would do that. Hundred grand. 
Not like on my no. neck. Not 500, 500, yes. Your neck is like $2 million. Would you do it for $2 million on your neck? Yes. Yeah. I would too. Yeah, my two million. Extremely thirty-something answer is like in my ma- in my head. I'm doing the math of like, what's a down payment on a house? Yeah, <laughs> in the Los Angeles real estate market, how far does this get me? Yeah, so six hundred yeah. grand. It has to be exactly. an amount of money that I don't feel like I could get to within a few years. I'm trying to think if I would show up. So with maybe the money. I wouldn't do it for five hundred. But do yeah, two million. Isaac, yeah. if your Alfa Romeo was free, would you have get hammered? Be hot like stitched onto the red leather seats on the inside and then also painted <laughs> on the hood. And then a Dasani logo on the side. Uh, no. Logo. I mean, even if it wasn't, it wasn't that expensive. It was a used car. I must yeah. emphasize that. Don't my, tell that don't, Isaac don't edit that do out. That. <laughs> don't Isaac, do edit yourself that. out. Especially you know the red state leather. of the used car yeah. market in America these days. Yeah, yeah come on, That's not man. saying much. Used by the weekend, probably, with yeah. all that red leather in there. <laughs> Man, if you had get hammered and be hot on the hood of your used Alfa Romeo, oh holy my bones. god! <laughs> it should, you should only be able to buy a used Alfa Romeo with get hammered, be hot somewhere on the inside of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, people have put more obnoxious things. <laughs> yeah, on an Alfa Romeo for free. So, oh, <laughs> what's with all the little anime characters? In I'm not asking I, Isaac. Just to be clear, I'm not asking this just to you, <laughs> Isaac. Well, we got gotcha. you. <laughs> While we have you here, that one Asian person on what's this podcast. With, what's with me... uh, this other entirely different country's influence on kind of nerdier white people? No, what is uh, there's a like this bumper sticker phenomenon that's happened in the last ten years where it's like little anime characters peeking out from windows hmm. and stuff. I, it's, I don't know. Maybe it's if anyone you. knows, hit me up in the comments. Are you talking about like? Smash the like button. Yeah, it's like little. It's exactly. It's like little Uzi Vert's car. I don't have people love anime, man. People love people. People be loving anime. Yeah, love anime. You see, little Uzi Vert is leaving uh, rap music to become a regular person and design clothes. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, little Uzi Vert didn't start rap music as a regular person. And designing clothes seem kind of at odds with each other, but... I think he's so far down the rabbit hole, that is what he thinks. He's yeah. like, he, that's his version of, like, working at the docks. Yeah, I'm going like, to be normal and turn into a fashionist. I just want a regular life, man. Designing high-end clothing for dogs. I don't want to have to install a jewel in my forehead. I yeah, want- yeah. I just want to be <laughs> LV the designer. Is that complicated? Yeah, kind of. I want to be like Rick Owens, just a regular down-to-earth guy. <laughs> I just want to live in a big yurt with my adopted kids that are older than me. Just like everybody else. It's not a big deal. I'm going know. to dinner in a yurt tonight. Are you? Yeah, it's you like got, this, you're gonna wear a button-up yurt to dinner. It's this oh, restaurant. Man, they said they were gonna get they said they were gonna get the Michelin star, but it's not in Denver proper. But they uh, have a heated yurt, and we're all going to dinner in there. Gotta go to the heated yurt. I'll tell you I guys can't explain why this feels like extremely Colorado core to me, but it's yet Colorado. It does. It's Colorado as fuck. This is the most. Yeah, we could have gone inside, and then my whole group was like, "No, we got to eat it in the yurt." I'm like, "It's so fucking cold, right?" Are you? They say it's heated. What are you gonna order for uh, the yurt after dinner? So it's time for my next pick. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Oh. All right, everyone, everyone pull over because you're laughing so hard. I'm sorry that these three are playing it cool. Isaac's you think on we you. didn't hear you getting that yurt, the, like the yurt it, shirt If it would have been acknowledged, earlier. you would have saved yurt self from, the, from that pun. 
I was laughing my ass off, Sean. I was laughing my ass off, off on mute. You know what you could get for a yard is a frozen yogurt. <laughs> I was going to make that pun and I was like, it's too low hanging fruit, but I'm glad I don't want to hurt your feelings, but these jokes <laughs> fucking suck. All right. <laughs> no, they don't. These are great. <laughs> if everybody was this funny, then. Yeah. Then what? Would then would, then what? Then what? Then what? Then what? Then what? Then what? Then Then I wouldn't stick out. So it stopped being as funny as them. I don't know. I think it's great when you beat yourself. Man. There he is. You're going to have to take it a couple plays off. It didn't feel good. I don't love it. Penalty box. I like Little hanging out with you guys, though. <laughs> can, uh, we just start, can we keep talking about Lil Uzi Yurt? Or are we done with that? I think that it's probably to rest. But it I was, think it one was more will work it itself in before we're done, done. But yeah, yeah, I think you got to, it's got like an off timing one. Like you wait two picks and then come back. And yeah. Then I think you got to. Yeah, you're right. Good year. David? <laughs> Uh, I'm going to go. So I usually, I, I'm going to go to social media. This is just a trend that was everywhere for a brief moment in time. And I had so much fun. I watched so much of it. I'm I'm taking the grimace shake. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was so creative. There were so many funny ones and it's, yeah. I like to watch people die in different ways. Yeah. Yeah, dude. My, my, uh, my brother-in-law and my nephews made such a good Grimace shake video. It's up on my TikTok if you want to go see it. But I had no idea what it was about. My nephew told me just about this whole Grimace shake movement, and I was like, I, I was hooked for probably a day. Like the the most it's hooked just like I've a been silly for the thing. least amount of time. Yeah, it's great. I would pay the five hundred thousand dollars that would otherwise go <laughs> to be tattooed on my neck to yeah. hear the McDonald's marketing team meeting where they're like, <laughs> "Great news, guys! The Grimace shake is going viral." <laughs> Less great news. The joke is that it kills people. For a bad reason. <laughs> I think they weren't thrilled about it. But you couldn't get one. I mean, they were sold out everywhere. We couldn't. Rob had to drive to like five different places and they didn't to have them. One? So he, he made his own. He couldn't find oh, one in Portland. He, made, he faked it. Wait, he made he's, he's fraudulent? Grimace? <laughs> That's how you die. It's oh, like, yeah. yeah. Dude, do not check not ethically sourced Grimace. No. Well, if don't you just, just get you them just from get some fentanyl Black dealer. Black Grimace. Moonshine Grimace shakes? You can't Come be doing on. that. That's people Lean go blind. Grimace shakes to get the purple color? <laughs> Listen, if you, you need a Shmata Grimace website? shake, my brother-in-law will give you a little, he'll give you a thimble full of Grimace shake for free. The rest, you're going to have to pay for it. You, you got to meet them on the docks, one. though, because they're coming yeah. right off the boat. If you want more Grimace shake, then you're going to have to pay for more Grimace shake. But the first taste is free. So just saying. <laughs> it was a reminder of the beautiful, horrible reality that is everyone's kind of funny and that's enough entertainment for most mm -hmm. people now if it goes viral you're like damn it <laughs> well, it's just it's like there was nothing you know, to it like it didn't feel loaded in any way shape or form to me it wasn't like tied to some morality thing it was yeah. it wasn't like you should feel this about the great it was just like here's a bunch of people sipping that thing and dying and the that's best. really that's really fun <laughs> i had a lot of fun with it the best that social media is capable of. Yeah. It but it's like also this it thing reminded you that it could still be fun. It could still be a fun, creative place. Absolutely. There's 7 billion people on Earth. Everybody has a moment where they're funny enough to be the person who's funny enough to make you not go see a movie. You know, it's like that, that's, that's like horrifying <laughs> for like what we've chosen to do for a living. But at the yeah, same time, I mean, it's like, no. well, I also get to watch these Grimace Shake videos and that's great because I'm now I'm one of those people not going to see a movie. Yeah. No, our industry is 
quickly yeah. changing in a scary way. <laughs> but that was a good time. Yeah, that was a great time. And I'll take that. Good uh, enough for me. The Grimace Shakes. Excellent pick. Time for my third pick. I'm going to stay in something that was that started in the real world, but then really blew up on the internet. I'm taking Ariana DeBose's song at the BAFTAs. I don't even that know. Was I didn't this year. Even, I don't even <laughs> that know was what this, this year. was. That the, was that the rap? Was that when she rapped? Yeah. I, Anna, yeah, girl, right? you were great and blonde. <laughs> Ariana DeBose, who's a extremely talented like actor and Broadway performer, did this rap at the BAFTAs where she like, praised all the like female nominees that year. It was like this empowerment thing, but she was so out of breath the entire time. And it was just weird. It, like the whole thing was written weirdly. I think it was supposed to be done like one of those uh, ballroom drag show, like Vogue Dude, rap kind of things. As a rapper, I'll tell you, it's hard to perform a rap song, you know, like it's sure. hard to get up there. And like when you got so many screaming fans, like I know she didn't, but like it's hard to rap and keep your breath, man. Absolutely. So I, I, I get it. We Once again, Allison will explain a bit of gay Twitter culture. The like couplet yes. that really like stuck in everyone's head was um, Angela Bassett did the thing like pronounced uh -huh. like that uh, in a weird like cascading lilt. It was Angela Bassett did the thing. Viola yeah. Davis, my woman king. <laughs> <laughs> Which I cannot, I'm not putting the sauce on it that Ariana did, but like. Are you watching it, was, it David? It was a moment. <laughs> it looked like somebody was gutting a fish in front of you. I just listened to some of it, and uh, we are still the best country at rap. I do not think. <laughs> oh, the, the British get that one. <laughs> hey, Yo. you know what? Anybody could try to do anything. Yeah, is what absolutely. I. Absolutely, that was a fun. That was interesting. It the the level of commitment, like the commitment to quality gap on it, is so funny because she's so a hundred percent committed to this. Like just bad, like poorly written. You know, she raps like she hasn't listened to rap since the message came out, <laughs> which is. <laughs> Like a wild, <laughs> wild 2023 move. I cannot stress enough that this woman has an Oscar. Like, yeah. she is an Academy Award-winning thespian. She meant well, and she was in a good mood. Yeah. You know. And it was this, there was also this mess of aphorisms. You know what I mean? Like, Jamie Lee, you are all of us. Like, it was this very, like, surface-level empowering kind of thing like this this 1996 level of feminism washed over the entire thing at the same <laughs> time it was just so perfect and funny and it became something that everyone made fun of but in a way that they loved so they're like in a way that was i think fueled eventually purely by love angela bassett angela so, bassett yeah, just, <laughs> just, and her, and her weird little <laughs> she has this terrible choreography. <laughs> you should have just gone full Broadway, right? Is uh, yeah. it, I was like, she was also really like she took it like a champ. She was I, like, I'm oh. glad everyone enjoyed this. It was meant yeah. to be kind of campy. I know it's taking on a life of its own. I'm just glad people are, you know, seeing yeah. and having fun. Like she wasn't like cranky that people misunderstood her art, which well, people she can't miss any meals. I mean, like, you know, who that's all right. She's it she's no worse for wear. Like, why would you care? It's fun. Like you say that, but there are people who are absolutely 
who have been like terrible sports about stuff like this. And she was not. I suppose. I don't know. I guess I never understood that. It's like if it's it's like the the lowest stakes with that thing. If someone's like, oh, you look you look ridiculous. She's like, I know I was rapping. I'm not a rapper. Anyone. Of course I did. It's fun. It was fun. You know, I'm glad she was a good sport about it. Is what the saying. audience reaction shots during it were so funny. I did. yeah, they said they had the one girl lady where she said they she said her name and she was like, oh. Like, yeah. didn't see. They can't hide their reaction from like how sweaty the entire thing is, like watching it and how like barely it works. It's all just, it's but all a testament just to the difficulty of live performance. Absolutely. Guys, that's a hard thing to just go out and do. And I'm on her side Me completely. Too. Everyone it's, ended up on her side, fun, but man. in a way that was like. Wow. It's also Michelle Yeoh's best performance of the year was looking touched during that. I think oh, as good I'm as honored. everything everyone. <laughs> oh, thank you. Oh, I made it. I made it into the Ariana DeBose rap. It was just beautiful. It was like, much like the Grimace thing. It was just this beautiful moment of celebration of something that was immediately camp in a very honest way. Uh, Sean, your third and fourth picks. Since we're being silly, uh, I'll go the silly route too. I'm going to take the coming and going of the big red boots. Oh, the mischief boots. The big it was such boots. A, it was like such a big swing. I was so mad at it at first for, for probably about a, a day or two. I was like, this is so, I remember I, I was upset and I was like, this is what we're doing. And it really only took me about a day to be like, who cares? It's so goofy and fun. And if somebody wants to do it, go nuts. And then they went away. <laughs> they did not stick around. Oh, they not. They came Are back. They are oh, they packing mischief? <laughs> then there were some like mischief crocs. Well, they did big yellow mischief crocs. Well, like like just big. I never saw those. They were just like big oversized crocs, just like the boots. They're they're like yellow classic crocs, but they're like the same size as the mischief boots. <laughs> I never saw those. I'm immediately fine with those. I mean, I don't know. I guess it's a meet where I'm like, why would I get mad about that? Why do I care? With everything going on. If somebody wants to wear big old red boots courtside at a Laker game, let them wear big old red boots courtside at a Laker game. What's it hurting me? It's hilarious. If anyone thinks it's dope, good for you. It's crazy to me. You know this uh, mischief company? They're the ones who did that like little Nas X shoe, you know, like the devil one. Yeah, those are funny too. Uh, Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. The one that really was pissing everyone off. They have the shoe that you can wear like backwards or forwards. Like their whole thing, their company's name is Mischief and that's... Just their kinda, whole thing. They just kind of try to do like mischievous. They're like throw in a the, stick in the spokes a little bit. Exactly right. They have these like Vans shoes that I think they've been like sued for that look like they're like that like they're wavy. They're like the Vans like waves, but they've made them like extremely wavy. Uh, it's it's fun. I mean, they just yeah. I do it. Go go nuts. Do all of it. If someone's gonna yeah. buy it, let them buy it. Let them wear it. What do I care? They have a shoe that looks support. like everlasting gobstoppers. Yeah. I just support all innovation in menswear that like encourages men to wear things that are not the same, like four silhouettes. Like, dude, I've been wearing hoodie jeans and and like tongued sneakers my whole life. So yeah, I get it. I'm so scared to step outside of the box. It's not even funny. So when I see if someone you else, step it, outside like, of yeah. the box. You know what you should wear? Big red cartoon boots, dude. You should be out there looking. <laughs> you should start dressing like Astro Boy. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when I was or when I was in like <laughs> I was in like high school or something and word on the street was bell bottoms were coming back and I remember getting oh, yeah. really really nervous for a while because I was like 
that means I have to wear a bell bottom, which is crazy that you think like that, but you don't. <laughs> but I remember being like, shit, I got to wear bell bottoms. I'm going to have to do that. And then, you know, I didn't, but you ever catch yourself having made an effort where you're too far away from your house to do anything about it. Oh so yeah. Like, like a bad oh, swing. God, <laughs> that's the worst. Now you're yeah. fucking, <laughs> you're, you're like, at, some, oh. at dinner with people you don't know. And you're wearing salmon pants. You gotta go do stand up and you're like, I hate <laughs> yeah. how I look. I hate it. I've done it where I got on the bus. I'm like, I'm on the bus. I can't get home. I'm on the bus. I, oh. and I'm wearing this jacket. I'm wearing a jean jacket that I don't like. I can't be doing this. I had the opposite happen this year where I was invited to a wedding at City Hall and I was like, okay, it's a City Hall wedding. I'm going to literally take the train there and wear yeah. comfortable shoes. And then I showed up and it was a full like 90 person lovely reception with a band and flowers. And I was like, this is not the City Hall wedding that was described to me. No, that is not your fault. They should. No. If they didn't tell you that, that is their fault. And I'm sorry if they are listening. You got to tell people if they need to dress up for a city hall wedding. For Get sure. Get them. To be fair, they sure. were like, they did not make me feel uncomfortable or out of place in the slightest. But I was just like, oh, I didn't pack a change of shoes. Like, yeah. I miscalculated. Uh, yeah. I've never gone to city you. hall ready to. <laughs> no. Well, you've only gone to city hall ready to overturn the mayor, right? And and, and protest it. the results of an election. Yeah, well, I mean, I went to the big city hall yeah. to do that one <laughs> on the big side of the country. <laughs> anniversary in a couple of days here for you. Ha yeah, happy anniversary. Yeah. God, that's I stole it from Ric Flair. The best Ric Flair interview. I live in the big house on the big side of town. <laughs> I was once, anyway. I went to school I, when I was going to Portland State University. I've I've told you guys this before. I, I decided to do a bandana. I did yeah. like a bandana tied around my head with like a white button down shirt and khaki shorts. And I oh, left the house thinking like killing it, <laughs> killing it. You look like fucking Bruce Springsteen. Oh no. Amazing. Dude. Was it thin like the boss style? <laughs> thin rolled bandana. And I walked in it. Like I, all these people saw me. It was like a beautiful spring day, crowded park blocks. I'm just like soundtrack in my head. You know what I mean? Just like born to run playing. Yeah. And I walk into this, uh, it was like the improv class, which like half the wall was mirrors. You know what I mean? And I walk in and then like I step into the class and I'm surrounded by mirror images of myself from all angles. And I'm like, oh, no, not one of these angles works. I you know look ridiculous. You know what sucks about that is like you can't admit defeat in the way that you can't take it off now. No, well, no, no you, you got to be like, I'm wearing this today. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't be like, oh, that was my walking around bandana. Yeah, no, I just now. do it because I get yeah. hot. It's raining out. I had to have it on, but it's fine in here. <laughs> I was going to say, like, at least you can remove a bandana. Like, that's editable. That's like, you don't, need, you don't need to sub anything in for a bandana. Whereas, like, if your pants yeah. are off, like, you can't just remove your pants lest you no. risk uh I have public uh, and these well, pants I could remove the bottom half of those pants I could zip <laughs> those off so I've left house I've left the house in a shirt that's a little too young on me where it's like summer and I, it's like jeans and a t-shirt but the shirt if I'm just standing straight up comes right up to my boxer line yeah. you know stuff like yeah, that where like yeah. so my pants either have to be up to my almost belly button or I have to pull the shirt down every second it's on. Anyway. I, I've uh, often left with too many colors on. For sure. <laughs> I'm like, hold on. <laughs> I look like a Rastafarian flag right now. Maybe relax. 
Sean, hopefully right. we'll see you out in Mischief Boots, but what are we going to see for your fourth pick? I'm um, going back to TV. I'm going to pick the, the Fall of the House of Usher. Oh. I thoroughly enjoyed the Fall of the House of Usher. It is uh, just a fun little romp, creative. Uh, it's the guy that did... Um, did they talk about Left Eye in this? What is it about his road to performing at the Super Bowl? Like, what's the story with this? It's about the Vegas residency. <laughs> is it about the Vegas residency? Is this a herpes story? Is it I a mean, herpes? Usher dated Usher dated Chili, not Left Eye. Okay, they can so talk about now, Andre. Andre, now, Andre now, you're getting, now you're getting defensive because you didn't get the joke at first. <laughs> I got the joke. Now just, you're getting defensive because you didn't get the joke. At you're first. getting defensive because you, you did the wrong joke. Well, yeah, it should have been an yeah, Andre Risen joke. Of course, I'm defensive because <laughs> one of my best friends in the world just called me out. <laughs> In front of dozens of people. Uh, it, <laughs> of I'm, I don't know why I'm forgetting the name of the other show that he did, but it's just there. It's just fun, like just fun, scary little shows. Maddie Saracen's in it from Friday Night Lights. Uh, good, good little watch. Did anybody see it? No, I missed that one, but I did love Haunting of Hill House, like another Haunting one of, of the Hill shows House he did. Midnight Mass. He like knows how to do it, and like the the crazy like meta drama thing is that this the Usher show is the last one that he's ever going to make for Netflix because Amazon poached him, which oh, is like huge L for the it's more like the fall of the house of Sarandos. Am I right? Come on, <laughs> but, now we're uh, bit. Now we're doing bits. <laughs> but yeah, it's, wide uh, open. I'd, I'd only heard good things. I know it's like an Edgar Allan Poe, like every individual episode, every episode is, a riff. is a, yeah. Oh, it's a riff on Poe. Yeah. And they kind of set up how in the first episode, they kind of set up how the whole show is going to go. So, you know, what's going to happen at the end of every episode. Is and there an ape that murders anyone in any of the episodes? Yes, there is. Okay. So they really are playing the Poe. They game. do every episode. I mean, I only know like the Raven and the pit and the pendulum are like the only two I know off top. There's another. What's another? The Telltale Edgar, Cask of Amontillado. Telltale Heart. Telltale Heart. Is anyone getting up in a basement? <laughs> yeah, yeah, they do them all. And I so after the episodes, I looked up like what most of them were, and I'm like, oh yeah, I know what they're doing. The Pit and the Pendulum is very literal, and uh, yeah, but it's fun. It's just a fun show. Pretty low stakes. Uh, you know, it's like Succession where everybody dies. <laughs> yeah, because it's about like a like a Sackler yeah. type family, right? It's like a succession as family, yeah. Are they pharmaceutical? Yes. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, I forget the, but yeah, old young Maddie Saracen like sells a soul to the devil essentially to get a successful pharmaceutical company. The devil's played by Carla Gugino. Do you say Gugino or Ju Gugino? Gugino sounds hilarious to me. So I always say Gugino. I think it's Gugino. It is Gugino, right? Gugino would be such a funny name. For, a, for a significant it. period of my life, I was hoping it would end up Carmel, but uh, <laughs> it didn't pan out that way. Carla Carmel? Yeah. <laughs> it feels, this feels like a real GIF, GIF situation. Yeah. Um, and I'm not realizing <laughs> I've never heard the name said out loud, but I say Gugino in my head, which is the funnier I mean, option. Gugino. Gugino. Yeah, Gugino, Gugino sounds Gugino. so funny. Sean Gugino? Come on. If it was uh, the House of Gucci, it would be Carla Gugino. <laughs> if we use the House uh, of Gucci anyway, dialect. I never saw the House of Gucci either. But yeah, follow the House of Usher. Well, that's a whole other conversation. I'm going to take The Holdovers for my fourth pick. Oh, my, so good. My favorite movie mm -hmm. of the year so far. That's a big endorsement. I'm it really was, excited to watch it. Man, it was everything you wanted it to be. Everything. I was really happy with it. Just classic, like, 
Alexander Payne, your boy Paul Giamatti throwing heat, dude, throwing 150 miles an hour. Maybe his best role. I like, I just love Ever, everything huh? about, in my opinion, just, I mean, sideways isn't okay. No, it's the second best role. I don't know. I don't, I didn't, I, didn't I think, think it's the second best role. Great. But you, you didn't think sideways was that great? I should rewatch it, but I, I remember watching it being like, whatever. Really? I didn't get what all the that, fuss that was That movie single-handedly damaged sales of Merlot for years. You have to yeah. respect the legacy. <laughs> I do remember. I'm going to drink fucking Merlot. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's just, This movie is like, it's good, and it's also a warm hug without being schmaltzy in any way. It's at a boarding school. The grand tradition of like movies that happen at Eastern boarding schools. It's wintry. It's cozy. It's it's heartbreaking. It's heartwarming. It's everything. It's it's. I don't know. I just really, 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 really loved it. I can't wait to watch it again. I can't wait to watch it like every December for the rest of my life. What is a boarding school? Is it just like uh, you go there to get rebounds? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> learn how to learn how to properly live in the paint. It's where Kawhi Leonard went. Uh, <laughs> it's it's a school where your kid goes where they live there for the school year, and it's. And it's uh, it, are they co-ed or is it just like they have in the movie? One. It's a boys' school. Yeah. yeah. Um. Okay. Well, famously, British people do this from age like five because they're allergic to emotions, so they like yeah. have other people raise their children for them. But like, there are a bunch in New England. Like when I when I went to college on the East Coast, I was like, there are all these proper nouns I've never heard of, but there are like fourteen people in my class who went to somewhere called Andover. And that was like how I learned about this. But oh, um, yeah. <laughs> but as the child of a curmudgeonly uh, humanities educator who was frequently compared to Paul Giamatti's character in Sideways when I was growing up, uh, holdovers really, really hit for me personally. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm excited to see it. it. I've heard nothing but fantastic things. Dude, you're going to love it. It's I don't know. It's, it's also a movie that... Uh, Okay, I don't think we're going to talk about Wonka during this movie. Like, no, nobody's seem drafting like it. it, right? Doesn't seem I like it. That's the movie. That's the movie, movie I saw, saw yesterday. I watched it at home. You know what I love about The Holdovers is it has ugly people in it. There are ugly people in this movie. Dana and I watched the original Charlie and the Chocolate Factory movie last night. Almost Hold everybody's up. ugly. <laughs> Everyone in that movie is ugly looking. They're, they're all fucked up. They have fucked up teeth. They're weird. Uh-huh. They have weird little British faces. They look weird. And then the new Wonka, like everyone's gorgeous. Timothy Chalamet's gorgeous. Like the young, the young girl and it's gorgeous. Boy, like that kid like is, Sally he Hawkins is, hot, is gorgeous. The Oompa Loompa's gorgeous. hot. It's Hugh Grant. Right. The Oompa Loompas in some of them are good looking, like, you know, in the in the but a lot of them are fucked up looking. The way everyone else in that movie is fucked up looking. And it works because everyone is fucked up looking. And in this new Wonka, all the candy scenes are CGI. So I don't even, there's not even that fun, like imagining what if that stuff was real because you know it's all computer. And I know that's like a silly difference to make, but like the neon whipped cream pies and hook were real. So they looked appealing. And if it's CGI, I'm like, I don't give a fuck. That was the first thing we talked about when we walked out of the theater was like, man, in the first one, I was, I could imagine myself in there picking up because every, they they picked up stuff and ate it for real. You could see it. Drank the buttercup and then ate the cup, the mushroom with like the cream in it. You know what I mean? Those Mm -hmm. like weird like balloon things they've been into. It was gummy. Yeah. Yeah. The giant gummies. It was amazing. And in Wonka, it's all fake. There's lazy fat jokes in it, which if you're going to do a roll roll doll fat joke, do at least a good one. 
Don't have like Keegan Michael Key out there embarrassing himself. Is I that just what thought, that is? Yeah. Well, okay. he keeps getting fatter and fatter throughout the movie because oh, eats- you don't mean like a, you don't mean like it's a it's like a, a slight to roll doll. You mean like that's lazy? I just think if you're going to do the like the heart like the the nasty mean spirited roll doll jokes, like fucking do them. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. He did them, and he was still beloved. But and like I don't know. I just thought Wonka because those I love those Paddington movies, and I just thought it missed the mark so hard, and it just bummed me out. And Timothy Chalamet's not weird enough. He had the energy of the hot kid in a high school play who knows he's hot and he knows he's doing something weird and then he winks at his he girlfriend in the audience. And I very love hot. Timothy Chalamet. He's very talented too. He's just not Wonka. Yeah. We texted about this. He's we just not Wonka. It. I just, that's my, just that's my Wonka. Wonka rant. I just thought it <laughs> failed on every mark. Stop putting hot people in weird stuff. And the holdovers Tooth. didn't do that. Brother, say it again. Stop putting hot people in weird stuff. Put weird people in weird stuff. Put weird people in hot stuff. Yes, that's the move. That's what I'm in hot stuff. Let's redefine hot. Yeah, I think Divine Joy Randolph is so good in this movie. Like, I'm so glad that she's getting a look like this. Also, TV's own Carrie Preston, catch her in Elsbeth on CBS next year. Oh. Is so good as Paul Giamatti's like little crush in the movie. Apparently, the kid. Um, the guy who plays the teenager is like an actual kid from the drama club at the school they were shooting at. And oh they just my found God, him. That's awesome. And cast him that way. Yeah, great. Like, I saw some Letterboxd review that was like, it made me wish that theater served hot cocoa. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that is how it felt for yeah. sure. Hell yeah. Uh, it ruled. The holdovers is great. If you haven't seen it, go see it. David, time for your fourth pick. I don't give a shit. I'm taking it fourth. Say whatever you want. I'm taking the goddamn Denver Nuggets winning the 76 <laughs> NBA championship. God damn it. It was amazing. I don't give a shit. They counted us out. We had TV contract issues in a year where it was first time winners for all four of the major sports championships. I think this is by far the best story. 10, 20, and 30, game one, Nikola Jokic. No one ever did that. Not even LeBron. Amazing. A team of fucking goofballs and weirdos. We had a goddamn Canadian. <laughs> you have a drunk, you have a drunk party coach who gets hammered wearing jeans in the Come on. I mean, the Canadian's Jamal Murray, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I yeah. was at the so, fucking parade. Know. It looked like Malone was going to start rapping. Yeah. Like, if he had just started <laughs> rapping NBA Youngboy, I would have been like, yeah, that's the vibe here. Nobody even likes us. We're a team of fucking goofballs, and we won it. You got a horse racing uh, star player who might be the best offensive player in the history of the NBA. I don't think he even likes basketball. It seems like he doesn't. <laughs> he just wanted to leave. You got a six foot ten small forward who might not believe in uh, science in any meaningful way, but he's still out there doing his thing. At all, at yeah. all. Come on. And also, if the whole finals, it was like it felt like a like it was like us in Miami was the finals that nobody wanted. Yeah. Right. Nobody yeah. wanted no, that. No, nobody wanted that. And it was a great finals. I watched it in two fucking countries. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> two countries. <laughs> So, yeah, that's just for me. And I took it fourth. Could I have caught it fifth? 100%. I would have taken it all five of my picks if it was the Blazers. I, I admire your restraint. 
Well, I feel yeah, like I this like, is like the new like running bit where Sean takes the picks that are arguably not pop culture, and da- I feel like you've also done sports stuff before. Like, wasn't there the one where it was the dudes like fighting in the stands? Nugs and uh, yeah, Suns and four. Yeah, I mean that's that, hilarious. That, hurt. that one. That's yeah, Suns and I feel like sports was... are your are your province. As someone who uh, famously worked at a site dedicated to the intersection of sports and pop culture for <laughs> the better part of a decade, I I respect this. Thank you. I had to do it. Absolutely. I had to do it. Nicole I love Jokic these guys. Looking like Bobby Hill out God. there. God. So splotchy. He looks so, so tired at the ends of games. And then he just had nothing good to say. He was <laughs> like, it's good. We did We did a job. Yeah. And then he was like, when's the parade? And they were like, Thursday. He's like, oh, no, I have to get home. I have to break horses. <laughs> <laughs> And it was the first time I've been in cities when they've won, the teams have won. I was in San Francisco a couple times. I was here when the Avs won and shit like that. But to be around everybody in Denver, I don't know. For me, it was huge. And I'm taking it fourth. Amazing pick. Allison, time for your fourth and then your final picks. All right. For my fourth pick, I'm going to go for one of my favorite movies of the year. Uh, another micro tradition of mine. Uh, Todd Haynes, May, December, starring oh, Natalie Portman and Ooh. Julianne Moore and Charlton or Charles Melton. <laughs> it's almost a Charlton Heston. Different. What guy. a what a fucking flick. Yeah, Charles what a fucking Melton. movie. I didn't. I did not have. I didn't have any expectations for the guy from Riverdale coming in to this movie, and he fucking blew me away. What's wild is so good. He gained forty pounds for the role, and like that's what that man looks like after he gains forty pounds. Like I I didn't look at him and be like, "That guy gained weight." Like he just looks like a guy. (laughs) He didn't. He should have kept that to himself. I actually now don't like him in the movie very much. But Todd Haynes is one of my favorite directors. Velvet Goldmine specifically is one of my favorite movies of of all time. I like every movie he's ever done, but he has not done, like, for lack of a better term, that gay shit in, like, a while. Like, (laughs) you know, since Carol. But even, like, Carol's, like, about gay women, but a pretty straightforward movie. Like, he hasn't done something, like, weird in, like, the vein of safe or poison or anything like that. And it's this movie where, like, I cannot think of a movie that balances tone better. Like, it is about the most fucked up, volatile thing possible. Um, It's based on the Mary Kay Letourneau story where a teacher had an affair with her 13-year-old student and uh, Natalie Portman plays a... Yeah, no, it's... uh, They do not shy away from that. And Natalie Portman plays an actress who's, like, studying them like 18 years later to like try to play the woman in a movie and you know it is so funny and it is never laughing at the wrong things but it has such a like fucked up perverse sense of humor but also like very clearly understands like what it is about and what is amiss here and the power dynamics and it's built around three like absolutely titanic performances And, like, I love that it's on Netflix. And so this, like, very weird, challenging movie is, like, I saw memes about it constantly for, like, weeks after it hit the service, which I was not It was in the top 10. It was, like, in the top 10 of movies on Netflix for, like, a week or so. I mean, okay. Do you believe that that's the top 10, or do you believe they just make it what they want it to be? Come on. 
They're a publicly traded corporation, so if they're caught lying about that, like someone might go to jail. So I do but believe. You, that, wait, <laughs> Allison, did you hear him say "come on" after though? When he said "come I, on," come on. I don't know if I believe. I don't know if I'm uh, doing it to me. I, uh, yeah, that that man, that movie. Talk about being on the edge of your seat. Like oh, yeah. you never get comfortable. Never get comfortable. And yeah, everybody crushed it too. Yeah, ah, man. I, yeah, I really, I really not gonna watch it again for a while because no. I felt so uncomfortable, but really loved it. Really loved it. Well, I've it. only watched it in a theater. I haven't even watched it since it like hit Netflix. And I'm like, I love oh. that I can just like throw this on. Also, back to the top 10 thing, like what I'm pretty sure happened is that all the teens who saw Riverdale on Netflix and made that the most popular show ever were like, Riverdale guys in a new movie. Let's see what's going on. And yeah. then they get this, which is just, it also just like ends on this like perfect little sucker punch of a fucked mm -hmm. up joke. Oh my God. Uh, mm -hmm. All that for this. You and know? like, I love, I love the, like the way they play it. Like, you know, Julianne Moore is a terrible person. She plays the former teacher. You're like, she did this horrible thing, like, obviously. And then for like most of the movie, you're like, is Natalie Portman worse? Is she like a more terrible person than this person <laughs> yeah. who did like one of the worst things you could ever do? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which is a testament to how hard she crushed. Cause yeah, you do start feeling like, I remember I was watching, I was like, ooh. Who's who's the ultimate villain? Yeah. What who's the real bad guy? <laughs> I felt I felt like it was Natalie Portman. I feel it like she was, we were, at least she was sharp. We were just closer adult. to we were yeah. closer to what she did, though. You know what yeah. I mean? There had been the I don't know. The whole movie was yeah. And she hurt so other good. adults, which is the one thing Julianne Moore didn't do. Oh, when Charles Melton is like confronting Julianne Moore and he's like the way he's holding his body. Oh, like, man. It makes such me good feel acting. so... Ah. It's like not since Anthony Hopkins in, uh, in oh, what is the Ishiguro movie they made? I think you're thinking of Bad Company, the one it's with bad. him and Chris it's, Rock. Uh, it's Trolls 3. <laughs> not <laughs> never, Ishiguro oh my God. About the butler. Remains of the day. Anthony Hopkins in the Remains of the Day. It's like that level of like physical discomfort that exact kind. It was like, I think he should be nominated for an Oscar, which oh, might he be, will be like for sure. I hope he is. He was uh, so good. The scene where he's smoking weed on the roof with his kid. And yeah. you're like, this, this oh, yeah. is both like so funny. Like it is good comedy and so wholesome and so sad. And just like, it, it has empathy for all the right people at all the right moments, but also like has this little nasty, wicked, trollish sensibility to it i it's so like naughty i'm like i'm gonna rewatch it like three times and i'm gonna see new things every time yeah excellent pick and your final pick all right i gotta go with a bang i wasn't really sure how to phrase this because i don't want to say like the strikes were awesome for anyone so maybe well, i'll say fuck. like the resolution of the WGA strike because that felt great. But like you, you can't talk about pop culture this year without talking about the fact that like Hollywood wasn't working for half the year and like, you know, and the late night shows were off and Drew Barrymore got canceled and like all the late night hosts made their own podcast and the people walked down the middle of the Oppenheimer premiere and it just like colored everything. And, and personally, I started at Variety like three weeks before the writer strike started. So 
You're welcome for that. But um, <laughs> it was really wild. That's why, being, we, like, that's why we voted to strike. <laughs> <laughs> like, Bobbed everyone out. Um, but it was really cool to like, I mean, cool is not the right word, but it was really interesting to kind of have like a front row seat in that way where it was like everyone I was working with was like very directly involved in like monitoring the situation and tracking every development. And, you know, like it, it was wild to see like a labor action that involves like Bradley Cooper being like, I can't talk yeah. about my movie. <laughs> um, but I mean, it was a good thing, right? Ultimately, I mean, that was it was a very good thing that happened, right? Absolutely. I mean, I, yeah. the WGA deal is especially was like amazing. And saying. like also in, just in terms of what people were striking over, like it was really amazing when the strike started. I remember everyone who quote unquote like knew anything was like the room minimums are a pipe dream. Like that's so ridiculous. How could they ask for that? They need to give that, get rid of that right away. Frankly, like I have friends who were in the union who said that and were just like, I don't know why we're doing this. This seems ridiculous. We're never going to get it. And like, Six months later, all these things that people said were impossible and like certainly would not have been possible unless everyone, you know, put their livelihoods on the line, like happened. And that was just amazing to watch and very cool that it's in this industry that everyone like pays attention to in that way. Yeah, a good thing. So I'm stoked. The strikes were we we got a great deal, which was which which felt very good in the long run and kind of set a tone for what SAG ended up getting. You know what I mean? Just certain like access. Well, that was a lot the, quicker, right? That, well, access, that, their strike right? was shorter, but yeah. But it was like access to streaming numbers, like that kind of thing, which had before been like locked up and trade secret. You know. How do you feel about the AI? Or maybe this is not an on call on pod conversation about it. Yeah, I know. It's like, uh, you know, collective bargaining is difficult. And, uh, but uh, hey, the Golden Bachelor was a massive hit that they pushed forward seemingly because of the strikes and I can't believe they hadn't dudes. done that before. Mm -hmm. Yeah, also just like the spectacle of being like, we're putting Yellowstone on CBS. We're out of ideas. Like, we need yeah. something. Uh, like, Dune getting pushed. Like, just watching the chaos unfold was really, like, I've never seen anything like that. Netflix's new lineup, HBO from six years ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I thought it was crazy. a big deal. I thought there were new episodes of Ballers on Netflix. For a <laughs> Have you seen? I you did. You called you Laura. And Elizabeth Warren were like, uh, <laughs> Laura, it's happening. <laughs> Finally, Netflix got their hands <laughs> on it. Now Max. they're never going to stop. <laughs> they turned the movie Australia, the Boz Lorman 2008 movie Australia, and, and now they're like, they've cut it up into several pieces, and now they're trying to sell it as a new TV show called Far Away Dance. Have you seen that? No, that's I've not seen it, but they they did that. They cut Blackberry into like a mini series, quote unquote, for AMC. It's like what? a whole thing that people do now where they're like, the yeah. movie's a TV show. Sure. Blackberry oh. rules, by the way. Yeah, Blackberry is oh, really yeah. good. I yeah. liked it. Uh David, your final pick. Okay. Final pick. I am going. Cha, 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 cha. Oh, I'm gonna in arrest in the murder of Tupac. Oh yeah, they they arrested KPD, a guy who's kind of said he's done it a bunch of a times. Like of Loki, times. Loki, DJ Vlad solved the case it, it, according to him. But like, yeah, that's amazing. It, like the fact I, that however long it's been, they fucking actually arrested KPD. I, I can't understand how it didn't happen sooner. I really can't. When you read think, about it and you're like, why didn't that happen? They're like, I don't think they the finally cops seized. actually gave a fuck. 
I, or maybe they did. I don't know, but it didn't feel like like this guy's been saying it for a yeah. long, long time. And then he got that uh, what did they call it? The Queen for a Day thing, and he said, and then he just kept saying it. Whatever, an arrest in the murder of Tupac. That's pretty amazing. Uh, shot her around the world. Yeah, my world. I saw everybody talking about it. Yeah, yeah. I was like, that was one thing. Laura sent me the article. That was how I first heard about. I was like, no. I mean, what a crazy thing. I've watched a bunch of the interviews. It almost, you almost kind of feel like he wanted to. I don't know, man. It's it's a weird situation. Didn't he keep saying like it was like, well, it was a revenge hit because he like did all you know X Y Z to oh that to night, his brother in, uh, in Vegas yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah he's absolutely. been bragging about it. It's just yeah. like it's also like a weird intersection of like what's going on with being like podcast infamous and shit like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where it's like, yeah. whoa, this is like, this kind of happened because of internet journalism, right? Because of YouTube videos and say cheese TV and fucking DJ Vlad type shit. It was just like, yeah, yeah. It was just like a really wild. It's a really wild thing. Nothing in Biggie's murder. though. Not yet. <laughs> but they'll get Sean eventually. Yeah. <laughs> Put that evil on me. January six, <laughs> fine. Uh, right, but yeah, the uh, the arrest of Keefe D. Time for my final pick. Kind of torn here. There's three really big ones I want to take. I'm gonna, but I'm gonna take Olivia Rodrigo. Okay. Just in general. Just in general, I'm taking. Yeah, man. But her album. Uh, I'm taking her like performances on SNL. I'm taking just her in general. Dana listened to it and then I like started to be like, oh, what is this? And then I was like, it's catchy, oh, dude. You know what? It's pretty catchy, actually. And now it's yeah. like the main thing I listen to at the gym. It's, <laughs> I'm telling you, it it's like angry. It, it, it does. will get it will get in you. I mean, just the, the way the beats, they knock, you know, and if you can get past the part that you're an adult, you're a full grown adult. If you can get past that, it's fun music. Guts rules, man. It's like that song Vampire fucking rules. Bad idea. Uh, bad idea. Right. Is really good. Like, yeah. if, Get I don't him know. Back. And I'm like, favorite. dude, nice try. She does like a talk sing where I, I normally don't like that, but she's really good at it. And it's fun. There's something about that teenage fuck like, you know, teenage fuck you music that is so it's just it just always hits with like kind of that pop punk angle, sometimes more po poppy than punk, sometimes more punky than pop. It's I don't know. She's saying a lot of stuff that I wanted to say when I was a teenager and I didn't have the guts to like you. I always put myself back and I'm like, I wish I would have operated, gone to a party and like face somebody, you know, all the yeah. stuff I was too cowardly to do. That's the whole thing with that music and those movies where you're like, yeah, they're doing. I, I would do that if I could do it again. I wouldn't. But, you know, you think that I've tried to stop worrying about being cool as I approach rapidly approach 40, which I think is yeah, the right time to do it for you anymore. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> do, do you honestly? I, okay. We all say that we don't care what people think or whatever, but of course I still, I always will a little bit. I don't want to, but I will. I mean, I go out in the world, I wear what I wear. Like you just stand up the way I do it. Like I, I do care as much as I don't want to. And I always will a little bit. Yeah. But I care less with the, I used to sort of signify, I tried to signify who I was through the pop culture I consumed mm -hmm. quite a bit. Right. And I have since stopped trying to do that quite right. so much. You never stop all the way. Yeah. 
But like, well, you also with, with Olivia Rodrigo, like it's good. Like the people who like yeah. really have taste and will judge you for your pop culture will be like, yeah, of course you like Olivia Rodrigo. Like it's just good music. And the people who would I, judge you negatively for liking music made by a teenage girl are like not people you want to impress anyway. Exactly. Exactly right. Um, and I'm just like, yeah, fuck it. It rules. This is what I'm listening to. I'm not actually in the gym listening to like, I don't know, some challenging, you know, like experimental hip hop album that I would have drafted six years ago. <laughs> it's actually this. This is actually what I'm listening to. You're not putting to. the Andre 3000 flute album on your, on your short list. No shade to Andre 3000 or oh, his man, flute do album. You. Uh, I, I didn't I think get it. I didn't get it either. It was not for me. I tried to get into it. I was like, maybe because it's still Andre. No, it's, yeah. he's playing a different sport now, and that's okay. That's great. It's for him. And if I'm going to listen to and music, flout enthusiasts. For, <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Uh, so, yeah, Olivia Rodrigo. I'll still listen to like Caroline Polachek. You know, if I want to, if I, if, if I want to listen to that kind of music, but I'll take Olivia Rodrigo. Huh. 99 times out of 100 instead. Yay. I'm with you, playboy. I'm in. Not to pit two women against each other. Uh, Sean, your final pick. It's really specific, but it was really fun for me. And I don't I don't know if anybody cared a ton, like if the world cared or the, whatever, but, uh, and maybe I can't pick this. It is pop culture, but maybe it's too weak. Can I pick Nate Bargetsy hosting SNL? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, incredibly pop culture. For, and I know, I just, I'm trying not to downplay the success, but for me, and I feel like most you too and Allison, maybe yourself as well, but like he's always been one of my favorite comedians. And I, I saw him like early on when he very first started and to see that happen and to see him not only do it, but acknowledge the fact that most people watching probably didn't know who he was immediately. That was like the first laugh. And then he absolutely killed it on the show. And in, in as a whole, maybe like put a colon after it, but like stand up in general just feels like that was a really good, fun thing to happen for it because he is a comedian. He's not like, he can do other that's stuff. That's the dream stand-up rise, right? Yeah. yeah he, that's, see, that's about what we all would like to have. He's straight up. It, it's almost perfect stand-up when he does it. And just when he performs. And he did it. He's a comedian. He's not like an actor who does stand-up as well or whatever. He's like, he's a comedian. And he's fantastic at it. And he hosted us. And I don't know, it was just a big like, yeah, tight. Cool. Like, maybe this is what musicians feel like when every single time they see a musician on there or something. So I just, I don't know. I just got really excited that that happened. I was shocked when I heard he was going to do it. Well, right? speaking like, of like somebody... the strikes, the strikes knock-on effects, like SNL's strike era was like, they had Bad Bunny be the host and the musical guest. Like that would oh, yeah. probably not have happened if they were able to, I mean, eventually they just said fuck it and had Timothy Chalamet do it even before the strike was officially over. But like they had a lot of people who like, maybe wouldn't they wouldn't have called if they had like Margot Robbie on speed dial. And mm -hmm. it was, and I really liked that episode, the sketch where he's like in the George Washington times and they're arguing. Dude, it's one of the best sketches they've ever done ever. It's, it felt like a stand-up bit. You just couldn't do that stand-up without multiple people. I had voices. Br I had British people sending me that. <laughs> yeah, <dude. laughs> That's across, across the Atlantic. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that, that, uh, yeah, Nate, good job, bud. Great pick. Thanks, man. Uh, that does it. Two and a half hours deep. Two, almost three. Longer, longer than two and a half. This longer. Is, these, yeah. these go. These are the long ones. These, these are, are the, these are the, the annual length long of ones. John Wick four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah Isaac, do you have a pick? 
sure, I'm going to take something that I didn't enjoy the actual season of this television show, but I enjoyed the TV show overall and I want to celebrate it. Ted Lasso season three. I have to ah, celebrate Ted Lasso. My guy, Theodore Lasso. I did not enjoy season three, unfortunately. Um, I, I actually thought I was one of those people who actually enjoyed season two. Season I three felt rushed. It felt like they were searching for tone the entire season. And it felt like the redemption arc was a little too quick. Allison, I don't know what you think about this. Well, first of all, I'm very glad that like, even as an ardent fan, you have the impartiality to be like, you know what? Like, even I can understand this was not like the note they, they would have wanted to end on. Um, but for a second, when you were like, I didn't enjoy this TV show, but I thought you were going to talk about The Idol and how it was like objectively a terrible <laughs> show, yeah. but also like such an insane experience. No, 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 no. I did not watch that television show. Uh, but Ted Lasso, which is a... <laughs> what a I what do a not know that. You. I don't know that, no, no, man. I, I, I don't do know that. I, I live that, that television show. No, I don't, I'm kidding. Um, I, uh, I, you know, I, 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 here, here we, I can't believe, uh, you know, Another show ended this year after eight years of late night dominance. <laughs> and it didn't get taken. None of my friends took the late late show. <laughs> the late late show. Hard, to, hard to not take that personally. Oh, man. There were a lot of finales this year. Like, we didn't talk about Barry. We didn't talk about Reservation Dogs. Oh, God, oh, yeah, so that was good. on my list. Reservation Dogs, I think, was like on my list the last three years. I, just, I have not seen the rest of the season. The late late year. show will never be off air to me. That's why I didn't pick it. It will always air. I will always watch at least one episode every night. It's dead. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Jesus. Every night. At, le at least. <laughs> at least. Uh, at least on a slow, that's on a slow night. It's, de it's dead dead. They deaded the brand. Really? Oh, yeah, that's Tough. right. Because, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, they're doing At Midnight now, right? Yeah. I wish, I wish them a lot of luck, and I mean that sincerely. Yeah. Uh, to recap what we took, Allison, you went first. You took Barbenheimer, Killers of the Flower Moon, Scandaval, May, December, and The Strikes. David, you went second. You took the Taylor Swift Eras Tour, Bottoms, The Grimace Shakes, The Denver Nuggets NBA Championship, and a murder in the, or an arrest in the Tupac murder case. I went third. I took Succession, The Bear, Ariana DeBose's BAFTA song, The Holdovers, and Olivia Rodrigo. Sean, you went last. You took Jury Duty, John Wick 4, the Mischief Boots, The Fall of the House of Usher, and Nate Bargatze hosting SNL. We left some good stuff on the board. Oh, yeah. yeah. I thought I, the Young Fathers album this year was great. Somebody putting over 700 yards on the Broncos for the first time since 1951. Wild. 720 fucking six. Draymond Green. Yeah, LeBron, <laughs> yeah. LeBron, LeBron getting the scoring record. Yeah. Uh, I was going to do like a highfalutin like concert films and do the eras tour, the Renaissance movie and the reissue of Stop Making Sense. That was going to yeah, be my like yeah. clever workaround. But David had other plans. It yeah, was it was hard for me to go eras and not Renaissance, but uh, but it was like because Renaissance is kind of more in my wheelhouse, but eras yeah. was the bigger. Beyonce has an eras tour in her that she just decided not to do it this year, but she right. could do a Hey, This Is Me through. Right, like time and space. She also she made six hundred million dollars on her tour. Yeah, just, it wasn't a loss. Yeah, it's just Taylor. <laughs> Taylor made so a billion. <laughs> God, that's insane. There's a K-pop group called New Jeans that were that are just like killing it. They're just like everything they put out is a hit. New Jeans Berman. I like their old stuff better. <laughs> Shout out to New Jeans. Newman Genome Project. Tattered uh, Jeans. 
Beef was great. Southside technically started great. the last season of 2022, but can we have this year. Southside? Southside's like one of the best TV shows. In, I, the funniest so that shit so kills good. me, man. Dude. Uncle Spy, I, the character, Adam Bethune. Anyways, yeah. There's it's a lot of good stuff. So good. Uh, but it was technically 2022. It's like December of 2022, but whatever. Yeah. Uh, you Hurt My Feelings came out this year. I thought that was great. The Last of Us was pretty dank. I had that on my list. I had a Scavenger's yeah. Reign, which is this like really amazing anime show about like people stranded on a foreign planet. That's one of the most like, I mean, talk about something you could throw on at home. You could just like get stoned and watch it like a screensaver. It's like one of the really? coolest. It's like What's you're watching it a nature doc. It's on Max, the one to watch. Uh, and it's like watching a nature documentary about like another planet. Like it's so so cool. So I had that. Scavengers Rain. Scavengers Rain. And then I also had Zone of Interest, which is one of the most fucked up movies I've ever seen. <laughs> I can't. I oh, I can't bring myself to watch it. It's so I also good. I really but... liked Past Lives. Past Lives. Yeah. I really liked it. I don't know why I'm saying it in that voice. Cried like, like a baby. It. Yeah, it was so sweet though. I really really enjoyed it. It was a it was a wonderful year. It was a wonderful year in pop culture. Yeah, I can't wait to do it again next year. Yeah, I, yeah. You guys, hear the yurt? Oh, I did. Sorry, oh, I'm, I grinned. I'm sorry, man. Oh, I'm sorry, pal. I gave you a little sorry, grin. Pal. I tried to hide it because they don't rhyme that well. But you well, know, I promised one hear. more, and I got to get Isaac, the people what Isaac they want. I just throwing some canned laughter over that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> my boy, what he classic. Let my man. Don't let my man go out here. Some I love crazy. Lucy canned laughter. Come on. I, see, I Love Lucy had a live studio audience that was uh part of the part of the charm. Oh, that's right. No, but we want that can we want the can. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I want live Lucy and Ethel. We want the laughter from laughter. them, yeah, grabbing the chocolates or stomping the grapes. Yeah. On this easily the longest episode ever. Is it? I think so. It might be. We're about to part of me wants to stay on for five more minutes to hit three hours. <laughs> Please don't. Isaac doesn't, but I don't know. I can't speak for I can't speak for the man, but please don't. Well, those were our picks. We want to hear yours. Hit us up at all fantasy pod on Twitter. All fantasy podcast at Gmail. G-O-T-C-O-M. You're going now, that's so slow. If you did this for five minutes. And you can find those on the World Wide Web. Um, <laughs> this level of filibustering doesn't even happen in the Congress. Yeah, I have to go as well. Yeah. <laughs> they, <laughs> like three minutes ago. Uh, I, do, I do need to give just a quick shout out to everyone on our All Fantasy Everything Patreon. A yes. place where you can find live episodes, bonus episodes, auction drafts, all sorts of other things. Thank you for holding us down. Shout out to everyone on the AFE subreddit. Shout out to everyone from the AFE, Shaslackity. Shout out to super producer Isaac on the ones and twos. His collection of tasteful nudes. The calendar for 2024 is available now, of course. Nipples. Mm-hmm. Nipples. Soft lighting. Buttery backgrounds. Fluttery heartbeats. The Isaacly tasteful nudes. Patreon calendar. Uh, shout out to St. Sue Carmel. Shout out to Frankie Ocean. Shout out to Sid the Dude. Shout out to Hodge Beats. Shout out to Allison on eight years going strong. Seriously. Thank you so much for Murdering. joining us. Thank you guys uh, and, for having me. Yeah. And more important than all that, but only slightly, tune in again next week to another brand new episode of All Fantasy Everything. Shaglackity!
That was a HeadGum Podcast. <laughs>